Hello and welcome to episode 331 of the Switballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. It is Easter Monday, a bank holiday, and to be honest, I'd be firing off several Jesus-related puns here if Firmino hadn't ruined everyone's fun. Howard Webb was forced to apologise to another team for mistakes made by officials, while Andy Robertson claimed GBH after a linesman dared to shrug him off. Israel Adesanya reclaimed his UFC middleweight title with a knockout victory against Alex Pereira, and George Masvidal sailed after into retirement with a loss to Gilbert Burns. TK, how are we doing today? We've risen, haven't we? We're back. Um, I actually may have died on Good Friday, as it happened. Um, we're back. This is going to be an interesting one. I'm not sure who's happy, who's not here, but we're going to find out. Well, I was trying to gauge it by me asking you very open-ended because usually I can quite clearly see how your weekend's gone. Normally it's quite clear, isn't it? Yeah. This one, I mean, I still don't really know how I feel. If we'd done it, as I said, there was talk of us doing it at about 6.45 last night. Um, Jack couldn't do it then. I mean, turns out... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it turns out Jack can't do it now either, so so we've we've delayed. But no, I've I've gained some perspective since then. Uh, I say I've gained some. Uh, I can't think of the word. I've taken a step back. If we'd put one out last night, that would have been like I think like the lost tapes, where it would have been it would have been out. I reckon for a few hours, and then you go, we might have to pull this. So I would say the perfect example, and we're going to get to each decision, hopefully I've, I've got a couple of notes on most things, but I'm sure there's something I've missed. We usually find that the second we finish recording. <laughs> My feeling on the holding Jota penalty is significantly, significantly different now than it was immediately yesterday. I'm sure. I have had to go back and watch a lot of it because I said, a lot of the second half I didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Going back to the the Tottenham Arsenal game, if you remember this, the Tottenham Arsenal game with the behind closed doors, Erdegaard gets his first goal, I believe. Um, Tottenham take the lead with the Lamella Rabona finish. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get 1 1. And then I think it's Davinson Sanchez, like murders Lacazette off the ball. And the Spurs fans' rationale was, well, he'd already kicked the ball away, so it doesn't matter that he smashed into him at 100 miles an hour and we've got a penalty. It was a game, uh, Aubameyang turned up late, actually. So started a run of yeah, events yeah, that have got us here mad. now. Um, and yeah, in that game, we were under the cosh late on. And when there was a set piece, I just kind of closed my eyes and just waited to see if I heard a goal go in. And largely up until now a goal hasn't gone in it's worked like a tree. and so it started it worked for our pen yeah it started from your set pieces basically in the second half and then it just transcended to whenever you're in our half really <laughs> so I have to go <laughs> back a lot of the second lot. half you've missed I mean then. we're going to get to it but the commentary at the end for the Ramsdale saves nearly, oh, yeah. nearly killed me yeah you're going to say you wouldn't be able to get anything from that just listening no that, that game yesterday, and it's weird because I'm kind of jumping ahead, so we'll kind of come full circle, I think. <laughs> Before the game, I text my uncle, would we take a draw here? And most Arsenal fans I spoke to, apart from the ones that, you know, the ones that think if they're negative pre-game, then it's going to affect the team. Then it's going to affect the team, yeah. <laughs> most people were fairly, you know, a draw is not the worst result in the world. When we were looking at 
the fixtures for the rest of the season. It was kind of, don't lose at Anfield, don't lose at the Etihad. Probably that means you have to win at St. James's and then win the other games. Obviously, circumstances changed during the game, but the stress levels pretty much after it went 2-1. My chest hasn't felt that tight since I had COVID the first time. The first time I left the house after like several weeks of being locked in my room, I remember walking around Tesco and I got back to the car with my mum and I thought I was going to pass out in there. Like I just hadn't done anything for that long. Yeah. This was like... You know what? Anytime you actually have to focus on breathing, when you like, <laughs> you get it. If uh, if maybe you've done a long run, I can't put myself in that scenario for the most part. But anytime you focus, like, make sure I take a deep breath here. You're like filling your entire lungs. This was what it was like. I'm getting put through the ringer here. I text my uncle. I text uh, Harper. Was texting me actually. And I was like, Winning actually isn't worth it. And this was at two one. <laughs> I was like, it's not, it's not worth what I'm going through here. I've, I've tried asking you if this is for you. I've tried asking. Well, you know, you know, like uh, Gaethje had that run where he was winning fights, but he was just going through the ringer every time, and he would get in the interviews and he'd be like, I just have to ask myself if this is worth it. Like, it's detrimental to my health, and I have to think of like ten years down the line. That's like all the thoughts that are going through my head yesterday. I well, interview like, you in ten years' time, you'll be shot to bits. You'll be slurring. That's exactly how it felt. We'll, we'll get straight into the game. The early goals, Arsenal lead through uh, Gabriel Martinelli after about nine minutes, I think it was. I actually thought both teams had started largely in the fashion I thought they would. I saw your... Actually, it was pre-game, so we saw the, the team sheets come out. I think when we did the debate last week as to who should come out of the Arsenal team, we perhaps thought it should have been Jesus due to fitness, but we were pretty unanimous in that it would be Trossard that came yeah. out. Liverpool's midfield is kind of like chucking darts at a board and say this is which three is going to be playing this week. That might be how he's doing it currently. And then was there any... Uh, the Saliba one, Someone, some Arsenal fan claimed they spotted the shape of his knee in a training ground photo from Friday. This legit, by the way. There's comparisons what? of his knees in the last game and his knee in a training round picture. And they're like, he's so he's trained. And I don't know if you saw, <laughs> did you see the Arteta thing on Friday or Saturday where he said, look, there's someone that's going to train today. I can't tell you who it is, but we're hopeful he'll be playing Sunday. That mischievous. And I don't know if you saw this, but... He's like a Cheshire cat saying. <laughs> and I remember at the time people saying, don't forget this man loves Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Turns out neither of them. <laughs> so it could have been Saliba training. It could have been Eddie was training. It was largely the Arsenal team you expected to see. I think yeah, any definitely. real discussion as to whether it would be Tierney coming and Vazinchenko was kind of like, you don't know Arteta at this point. Anfield, sorry, against Liverpool at home, I think is the only time Arteta has actually veered away from what you would say was his best team on paper at that time. Otherwise, we're kind of in that you and City for the last like four years of, if we do our thing, we aren't fussed about what you're going to do. We're not changing our... It's almost an affront to even suggest that you should take change your team for whichever team is going to be Certainly coming to Certainly was what we were doing, wasn't it? You could pretty much pick the 11. City, 
had a bit more variety so they could change it. Yeah, we but were, I guess with City's the style of play, they were never going to change no, the way no, they no, were playing absolutely. with you, your 11, your 11. And I guess that was kind of the point I was making early on with you, sort of, I think you were eager for Arsenal maybe to drop a little bit, not to press quite so high. I was like, well, you are the better team at the minute, well, was, so you should implement your style on us, not try and no, adapt to us. There was a point, so you don't invite us on. There was a point of 1-0 up where I saw Party closing the keeper. <laughs> and not that I don't like the idea. It's kind of, you have that moment where you're like, I've just realised who that is. Yeah. And if you're there, you're not there. deepest midfielder up here. Because <laughs> your pattern... I only have that a few times with Trent a game. <laughs> what are you doing here? Your patterns of play as the game went on grew stronger and stronger and stronger mm-hmm. because really, kind of maybe in a less obvious way than you were doing against City, it was largely, let's play this long ball over the top to Salah and hope there's some space in behind Zinchenko. It's quite a weird spell where we were lumping up to Henderson <laughs> to, to win flick-ons. Is this what we're reduced to? Here we go 1-0 and to be fair, it wasn't like I felt with you against City where it's like, oh, we've scored too soon because I did think we needed to quieten the crowd. And then I thought we were playing well, but you had, I think, a Gakpo chance in the meantime. There was maybe a Henry. Robertson had a half-decent chance. Yeah. And then Carragher, I thought, was a bit harsh. He was like, he gets in them positions a lot, but he never actually does anything with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he said he didn't score, does he? Well, he does assist quite yeah. a lot from there, so... Um, and Tierney actually has a very similar chance at the yeah, same end yeah, of the field right. late on. He actually... Uh, Pings that it just isn't quite he, on site. It's, he has a strike nice on him. I don't know if you remember the Europa League game that we had to top the group. So at the five thirty, it was it was the weekend actually that uh, our internet and TV got wiped out. So I was watching Spurs comes Spurs. I thought were going to come second in their Champions League group, and I was watching that. Um, I forget what it's called. The uh, where you do your phone to your laptop. I was going to say hotbox, and that's definitely not what it is. You're hotbox. Yeah. You might need uh, that for a Spurs game. Uh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, though. and then the next day, I went to uh, my dad's, and I watched United come second in their Europa League group, which uh, was Glorious. enjoyable to watch. And then I think we had something like FC Sheriff or someone like that at home. <laughs> and Tierney who'd been at the team for a while, there was a lot made of his lack of selections. I think it was the game, it must have been the game after actually we'd beat you at the Emirates because there was a big thing of him dropping on the pecking order because we'd seen Tommy Asu play ahead of him at left back. And he scored a ping from like 25 yards and it was a proper, one of them celebrations like, I'm not doing this at the manager, but I'm doing this at the manager. He's fired up and Tierney has a good fired up celebration Mm -hmm. in him. Um, but yeah, he can strike a ball. He scored a couple of them for Celtic. I think his maybe his first Celtic goal is an absolute like bastard from like forty yards. Um, but yeah, he's got he's got that in the locker. When we go, <coughs> when we go two 0 up, I'm trying to think how to say this, it was almost too easy. Like, and I don't kind of like in the way my confidence may have been there if we kind of scythed you apart you were closing this down rigorously we were doing this then I may have had the uh, confidence that we can now do this for the rest of the game the thought in my head was I'm very sceptical as I usually am you can't actually be that bad 
for the remaining 70 minutes, mm. particularly at Anfield. If we were at the Emirates, then I may have thought one more and it's oh, and it's been. done. Yeah. So we get that second goal with uh, Jesus. Nice header, actually. Yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of, he, he's... It's a great ball in as well. By the yeah. Way. As much as Van Dijk's obviously got to be tighter to him, it's a great pick out from Martinelli. Well, Martinelli's started where he left off with Trent, didn't he? I mean, the first minute he yeah. <laughs> literally made a point, didn't he? That right, I'm going at him. You literally took a free kick where you could have whipped in the box for, you know what, we'll just let him go to Trent. Yeah, actually. I think we had to set the marker down early. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because there, there were some things in, some people don't ever look at a game objectively. Like you can win a game and you can have bad players in your team. You can lose a game and have good players in your team. And there was the one where, I think it was the second leg at Anfield in the League Cup last year at the Emirates. Uh, it's the one where Jota sits down like three players yeah, and puts yeah. it in. But Martinelli battered Trent that night and we lose by like three goals. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a player. If, if Trent had to kind of put into a computer the type of guy he doesn't want to play against, yeah, it's kind of that because Martinelli, one of the things he's almost criticised for is that he's anti-Brazilian and that there are no flares tricks, flicks. The only skill we've seen him do is when he made, did the control with his back against Romero at Spurs mm-hmm. earlier in the season and that was just a two fingers up to him, I think. Just very quick and direct. Yeah, he's he? just at you and that's kind of, Vinny Jr. is similar, isn't it? And they're probably yeah. the two guys that we've seen cause Trent the most trouble. Mm. Um, yeah, just get at him, get at him, get at him. Ball in the box. It happened very quickly for me um, in that I hadn't quite conceived how poor you were until I clocked the replay back. Mm. Zinchenko plays in a triangle with party. I think he plays at either side of Salah and then he drives forward. Easy passes to Xhaka, puts it wide for Martinelli and then that looks almost like a hopeful cross but the fact it's so pinpoint onto Jesus's head, those two from the second they've come in that Leicester game that we had at the start of the season. Very good connection. Yeah, and the, the difference in levels since Jesus has come back in the team for Martinelli, he's just... Like, yeah, him and Eddie don't just don't really gel, do they? It's just a difficult. No, and you have to accept sometimes that I don't know if I said it out loud on here, but there was always the thing wasn't there of when we were going for Mudrick, when uh, we were looking at Trossard, when we were looking at I guess just other players throughout the season. There's always this uh, Liao link where that man can't clean Martinelli's boots if he was coming in the Premier League in terms of output in terms of what he can do in Arteta's system, that man is not tracking back 40 <laughs> yards to make a tackle. No. It's just, he's been disrespected. We can criticise other fans for not doing it. Like there was a quote recently, rambling a bit here, but Fatty isn't playing at Barcelona, is he? And the president came out and said, look, there's only really two guys that age who are playing regularly in a top team and that's Vinny Jr. and Saka. And it's like, Martinelli's right there. He's literally <laughs> younger than both guys. Now look, maybe we don't prop the guy enough ourselves because he is always the guy you single out and say, look, this is what he does badly. But the things he does right, it's so... We hear a lot of players that, you know, this, this is the street football, this is this, this is that, because they get kicked a bit and they carry on. His is the most pure... Yeah. Yeah, agree. He's He's ultimately unlucky that Saka's gone to another level this year and he's getting the props. He's got a bit of English tax as well. Yeah. On Saka, you'll always get a bit more props. Um, 
if we'd had the conversation this time last year, people would have been fussing over Martinelli a bit more. So it's probably going to go up and down a little bit with those two. He might have the sort of Mane to Saka's Salah, if you will. But there's a good side to that where at some point people will go, you know what, he's actually the better of the two here. So it's going to be probably swings and roundabouts with those two. Well, I think there's something where Klopp has always so outwardly praised him and you can get the two things, can't he you? He wanted him. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> if Klopp came out and disrespected him, then you would say in one way, look, he's doing this to prove him wrong. And on the other side, it's almost like the dad thing, isn't it? Where I actually want to impress you now each time I come out. So imagine we only hear what Klopp says in a press call. I bet he's told him some lovely things in the times after. There's little hugs he gives him. He's in his ear. And it's e- it's easier for Klopp to do that after a loss, isn't it? He can he can prop put his arm right. You are, you were brilliant. Yeah. Don't let this loss get you down. Yeah. You were incredible. And You'd love it, Liverpool. Come on. So Just on and so on. Get you a lovely gaff up here. Much yeah. cheaper. Well, than yeah, London. his contract was running down. <laughs> running down issue. We had the option, but anytime a player is on what's perceived to be less than most people believe they should be on and guy's first contract he was on about 35 grand a week I think so a second struggling by so he got almost like an academy contract first and then second one was like 35k and we've given him another now where he's on close to 200 and that's where the question comes in that you have to continue performing now and he's actually since the contract has come in seems to have gone up a level just in terms of output I I was screw facing when we beat Brighton and that win looks better and better where he didn't pass to Saka and he had that shot that just looked like horrible decision-making. But even that seems to be getting better. Those are going to happen. They are still young players. Yeah, we were criticising Lacazette last season, which is a long way away. (laughs) The fact that he would have one chance a game and then so much is then placed on that one chance because if you mess that up, that's the only thing we can remember. Martinelli Mm. gets himself like five, six big chances a game. And so... If the you miss one, effect. yeah, we'll let you get another shortly after. Second goal goes in, and then I guess the big thing is this uh, Xhaka. I mean, we've got a fairly like we, we haven't really dug out our defender for the first one. That was not pleasant. No, actually, yeah, some bad luck in there as well. I thought the bounce off Van Dyke is unlucky, as much as he's not obviously not been in good yeah. form. I think if he was in good form, we probably wouldn't dig him out for that bit. But the other elements of it, I mean, like, I'm not sure where Canate has gone to at that point. He's, they've obviously played through as far too easily. Robertson's been spun again. Yeah, Trent's no of again. No. There's no idea that someone's coming in. It's kind of everybody doing the most negative thing you could think of of our back four. Each one of them did it in that phase of possession. It was unbelievable. They def- and of course, midfield wasn't anywhere. No, they definitely got some show notes before the game because so much has been made of that um, out-to-in run from Arteta's wingers. Yeah, before, like dating back, as they said, to the City documentary. I think they almost have had it in their notes because immediately they all made such a thing of it when we've been doing this all season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Where, not to break it down entirely, the logic is that as a defender coming through, you're entirely taught to show this guy down the line and that's how instinctively you know how to defend if I drag you inside no fullback wants to be coming in there and then you start creating confusion with you and the centre back like which is that my guy is that your guy Mm -hmm. and then it frees space for everyone else along the other end of the field the way we play as well is and you started actually doing this in the last couple of games Um, it didn't really work yesterday and you kind of went back more to type but you basically get five players in the attacking line and it's supposed to be that 
if you clear the first line, we've now got enough players there that we can tuck up and then we bring even more in. And then mm. we, we get about seven guys in your box, basically. <laughs> this one, the way we're charging through, any deflection falls straight to us. And it's a very nice touch for a Martinelli yeah. to kind of yeah. play it past the keeper. And if it's in your favour... There's few better angles than that one of the guy tracking back, realizing the ball's going in because you see Robertson saying "fuck this" or "what a fucking hell" or whatever <laughs> as it's trickling into the net. And there's a finish actually that they usually show in the build-ups to these games, and it's a Vieira chipped finish against Liverpool where he's played through and he dinks it over the keeper, and it always looks like you're so much more in control if you've put, and we say this about Berbatov, the least possible power into it. Like, I couldn't be bothered to put any more on this. The Martelli one's different because he can only get that much of a touch on yeah, it. But, on it yeah, But when it trickles and it's so close for the defender, it just looks so much sweeter on the replay when yeah. you play it back. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good. Saka yesterday wasn't his best game. I Connor was putting something in the chat yesterday. I mean... Small. Well, I wasn't, and that was the thing. It's like small margins for United fans that they're clinging on to this other team has just drawn to the side that put seven past you in the same ground. (laughs) Never seen anything like it, but we're criticising Saka for having four goals and assists away at big six clubs away this season, and we've still not played Man City. Yeah, it doesn't seem awful, right? (laughs) No. Martinelli, he seems to be putting the ideas in his mind into the execution now. And if that can continue to come, I'll be completely transparent. In my notes yesterday, I put down our flanks are going to be better than Robin Ribery. Nice. I might hesitate. Better than Robbery. We've got a bit of a way to go there yet, but I can see if one of those guys had a bad game, the other one's picking up the flack and there's no two punch in the league that I look at in the same way. When I was thinking, is there a left winger that I would swap for Martinelli in the league? I don't think there is. Is there a right winger I would swap for Saka in the league? I don't think so. No. Naturally, that comes then kind of the thing that Liverpool fans have now whenever you lose a game. It's how can you lose a game? You've got the best keeper, you've got the best right back, you've got the best midfielders, but you kind of have to big up your own players sometimes because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah, the other thing with them, obviously, we're going to, because of their ages, Saka and Martinelli, we're going to sort of um, forecast that they're just going to keep getting better and better. Now, this might be just that this is how good they are and that's pretty good because yeah. they're the two of the best yeah. in the league, right? So, but um, whereas if you said, right, um, give me Saka or give me Mares, you're going to go, I'm going to go Saka because they're both very good but this guy's got a lot more time on his side. Yeah. So, It'd be interesting if they're going to keep carry on at this rate of progression. Yeah, and we are accustomed to Trent kind of drifting inside at this point, and he does make that increasingly so. As yeah, well. that that triangle with whoever's going to be there, Henderson. We spoke about earlier in the season, um, and I guess it was Kanate yesterday. Who will speak about it in, in a bit? Hmm. Klopp tried to make this alteration. And I don't know if it was just looking at what Arsenal and City do. That's quite a good idea, actually. We'll see, we'll see if that works. I was thinking it is funny watching how City have done increasing in recent weeks with John Stones more and more. And we seem to be making a point of doing it with Trent a lot. It's funny how we mirror these well, teams. You, you've kind of gone to this 3-2-4-1 uh, 
4-1, which I think almost goes back to the football they were playing. Like, I read this article and this was essentially what like Herbert Chapman was doing at Arsenal in a year. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what it was and how football comes all the way around. But in terms of stability, it is supposed to say that, okay, if Trent does lose the ball here, we've got a foundation that in transition we should be able to cope with it. It just needs to be drilled so much. And that's maybe why for us it's kind of clicked this season. We, I saw people going back on our TikTok actually and liking the video we did after the Bournemouth game and saying, are Arsenal going to find themselves in a Trent-like scenario where they have to prepare themselves for Zinchenko being taken advantage of? And it was largely Liverpool fans who were mocking it at the time saying either... Trent is a better defender than Zinchenko or Arsenal fans saying, look, just because we've conceded one goal down there, that doesn't make it a thing. But you're kind of too late if you're saying after the fact, what we were doing is speaking ahead of it and saying, could this possibly happen? We upset both fan bases to say that was a good good goal. And it's become very clear. I think that you worded it best at the time and said, there aren't that many deficiencies in this Arsenal team. So if this side is slightly weaker than that side, it makes far more sense. But yeah. we do attack this one more yeah. often. When we were in our pomp, that's what you'd do to yeah. us. Yeah, and obviously you're trying to get the best out of it. I guess that's why maybe Curtis Jones, he just figured he was the most athletic guy to come in. And try yeah, and I mean, limited out. options in that regard, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, it probably is. I thought he grew into the game, by the way. I thought it, when he got subbed, I thought probably just as he was really starting to get cooking in this, but there you go. Well, I thought, same way Martinez scored against us at the Emirates, I thought, <laughs> I've picked you up so much. Do you have to like have now where you then say that I'm going to have a good game? Because if he if he's getting aggressive with me because I said I sold my stocks, I held these for a long time. <laughs> I went for a lot with them. I've picked you up for a long time. And you I, held them on longer than most Liverpool fans have. Yeah. So, and I thought he was abysmal in midweek. Oh, horrible! I put in a chat with uh, it's better when we can say names because they've been on the podcast with uh, Blackton. And I said something along the lines of, uh, across Curtis Jones here. And no, I said, Curtis Jones is having a good game sarcastically. And he said, yeah, yeah, he's doing well, isn't he? And I said, I think he's been fucking terrible. I was being sarcastic <laughs> yeah. here because you're usually the guy that hates him. Yeah. He just, when it's bad, like, he just holds onto the ball for so long. And I don't know how long he thinks he's got on the ball, but you don't. And yeah, you can hear the fans often get frustrated with him sometimes and that he'll do it as you're looking to drive forward. He'll look forward doesn't do anything with it, holds it, holds it, holds it, plays it back sometimes. And you can put up with that with some players, but not with him who's supposed to be a, sort of a more creative type. Do you think there's an issue with um, maybe how much stock is put into certain uh, traits for a player as they come through? Because even just in the short space of time, you look at Harvey Elliott, you look at um, Eddie Nketiah, you look at Curtis Jones, and so much is made of their abilities at a youth level. Eddie, so much was made of the fact that you're only a guy that puts the ball in the back of the net. We don't care about anything else you do because you put the ball in the back of the net. You've got Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. So much is said about their ability to get on the ball and make things tick. And there reaches a point when you get to this age where you almost have kind of an identity crisis where you realise that this thing that I perceived as what I'm good for isn't actually enough anymore at this level. And Eddie, we spoke about it earlier in the season where he's had to have a realisation that it's actually not enough for me to just be a penalty box player and put this in the area. And 
Harvey Elliott in recent weeks has put himself about more and he's playing deeper and he realises that there are a lot of good technical players in this Liverpool mm. team that that can't be my only thing that I'm good at. And Curtis Jones, maybe it's coming later on, he's having to open up his kind of toolbox and show that he can do a bit more as well because Liverpool as a midfielder in this squad at the moment, you need to prove that I'm not the guy that should be going in this overhaul because it's very easy at the moment to be kind of lumped in with everyone else. It's harder and you look at someone like Bacetic, I think if I did a thing now with who would you keep, who would you sell? He'd probably be one of the few unanimous ones in your midfield that people would say, I'll keep him next season. He would, yeah. After that, sure. is there anyone that everyone that anyone is completely set on that isn't prepared that if people say, look, we might have to get a bit of cash for some players to come in. There's no one else that people are saying, I want him here next season. No, I don't think anyone else would be unsellable. Um, people would probably go, say, with Elliot to give him a bit more time. But I, again, like I said, it wouldn't be unanimous. I think that no. even like, you know, obviously Thiago, but people will go, he never stays fit. So yeah, the, the point with Jones and Elliot is a fair one. In the, and it's what I did in my article a little while back about Liverpool, where I said it might just be that they end up falling between the cracks, certainly with this Liverpool team, whereby... They're not pacey and direct enough to be one of the front three. They're not sort of disciplined enough to go in the midfield three. And they just kind of find themselves in between, which in some teams you might get away with. If you're the creative type and they want to give you a free roll, that's fine. But we're not, we don't tend to do that. And you've got to be really, really good if we're going to go into. And for them, they're going to have to add more numbers to the game. You watch them play and you go, you can obviously tell that is a technically very gifted footballer. But kind of what does it amount to in terms of goals and assists? doesn't tend to they don't tend to wrap them up and if you look on a a player like you know a Jack Grealish has realised look I can't be oh he looks good when he plays it's got to be actual numbers on the end of it and he's getting that now neither will probably be Jack Grealish I realise but I guess a comparison in terms of age range I'm not saying this because I'm going to argue with you in, in, in either way can either of those players do what Smith Rowe can do for Arsenal in that Smith Rowe we look at him and we look at Erdegaard and you say he himself would maybe tell you I'm not going to control a game but his final action is about as good as any player in this Arsenal team can either of them do that because he's bridged the gap between 23's level and senior level with I guess his understanding of the game and knowing where he needs to be at certain times. And then you can almost mask certain deficiencies in your game. Because if we see your name in a goal scoring box or an assist box every week, you're going to be invaluable. Look at Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. yeah, You can be a midfielder without having that. You just have to be able to carve out that niche in your team. And whether there's a space for that in the Liverpool team, I don't know. Yeah, but I think... If we got to a spot where we're firing on all cylinders, it probably would be. Um, I think they could do what Smith Rowe does, but they both would have to work on it. Again, it's it's end product. I think, and it's something I've touched on before, whether it was with the leg break or what, I kind of watch Elliot now. He doesn't move quite the same as he did once upon a time where he had that, and this would help with the getting goals, the that ability, and I always use him as a comparison to Jack Wilshire thing where you can just drift up past drift past players easy for me to say yeah. Whereas he's not like raw pace but he can just go past someone Elliot had that I don't remember the last time I saw him do that and maybe partly that is a confidence thing but even 
Yeah, like I said he just doesn't look like he's moving quite the same. Whether that is a fitness thing, you need more game time. Uh, he's had a fair bit now, but there, I don't know. There was a difference when Wilshire and Ramsey returned from their injuries, and Jack Wilshire almost mm. said, in a stubborn way, "I'm not going to allow you." as a horrible player to change the way I play my game. And if that means I have a short career, then so be it because I'm going to play football the way I want to play football. Aaron Ramsey found a way to, a lot of the time, avoid getting in those predicaments in the way that he would move the ball, in the way that he would uh, dictate a game. He would dribble until he realised what he was going to do. And then it's, well, I'll shift the ball to the side for two seconds and then you can give me it back and I'll continue dribbling because the times when you would see Aaron Ramsey kind of being tricky with the ball in a way that you would see maybe Sami Nasri do at the edge of your own box Aaron Ramsey would do that in the area when he knows you're not going to dive in at his feet yeah and there is just something with you kind of just have to find your own identity in a game and it's not going to help with Elliot that I guess he probably still doesn't know what Klopp wants him to be in the future like with Smith Rowe now, I think they've laid a plan out for him and said, we've seen that you can do this. Our system's evolved. We don't play with a 10. You have to look and say, can I do what Martinelli does? And physically, probably not. Can I do what Erdegaard does? Can I do what Granit Xhaka does? And when he's come on in games recently, he's come on in Erdegaard's position where we need a certain level of intensity from you, but ultimately I need you to keep the game ticking. And it's whether he can adapt his reading of the game in terms of making everyone else better to rather just making his own play better. And It's just an awkward age for some of these players. I thought Jones was good yesterday because I thought the way the team was set up allowed him to do what he needed to do. Mm. And it's just a difference, isn't there? Jones we're criticising and you've seen players do this before I couldn't tell you where he was on the pitch when we scored either of those first two goals mm. yeah that's a good point when we get to you pulling a goal back he's the guy that still has the confidence to do a back heel flick in the area to set up a goal And yeah yeah exactly it's just about getting players in the right part of the pitch and it's going to take some time Klopp it would almost benefit you if this sounds rough. If you were in Charles's position now, <laughs> where you could say, we've got nothing to play for. And you have to... Chelsea at this point, because they... If Chelsea want to tell you how big of a club they are, look at the reaction to where they are on the table. Look at the reaction to where they were when Arsenal were 8th and Chelsea are 11th. Hmm. And then see where you are. Chelsea now, Frank or whoever, a manager could come in and he could use these last eight games to experiment to say, this is where I want to be next season. Liverpool don't really have that luxury, but if Klopp had assurances from everyone and within they could say, we're not tanking, but we have no shame here. If we lose 3-0... Which I think but, they probably should, yeah, look at it, really. If we, if we lose 3-0 here, but we understand the profile of these players and what we want to do next season, that'd be far more valuable. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's just not going to happen like that for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, it's a slightly weird one, isn't it? We're like... Um... A little bit like with the Packers in the NFL this year. It's like everyone knew, even if they got in the playoffs, they're not going to make a playoff run. So should you play the backup quarterback because you think Rogers is going to leave? See what you'll get in next year. Yeah. But no, once there's some sort of glimmer that wow, you should be playing to win here because you could get yeah. 
I mean, I, get, I saw someone say, well, if we win all nine of our last games, we'll get top four. So, yeah, well, <laughs> evidence of this season suggests we're going to win nine on the spin. I'll tell you, it feels a lot different when you say, look, all Man City have to do is win 14 games in a row, and it's like, oh, but I actually don't see where they're <laughs> dropping a point. Yeah. The the Xhaka incident, we're talking about how much of a difference we feel it made, because watching it back and watching it in real time, I think Sky are very good at making something that isn't that big feel huge. And in the moment, the sheer reaction, Carragher calling him an idiot, which <laughs> he's got at Gary Neville for a few times. He seems to be far more rational, I think. Sure, yeah. I saw Carragher midweek, and he was like, oh, I think Liverpool are going to, I'm quite confident they're going to win on Sunday. And I think he was very much into it. If we're talking about a diverse panel yesterday, what we had, a Man City, an ex-Man City player, two ex-Man United players, uh, an ex-Liverpool player, and I feel like there was someone else, but maybe not. How much did it really change the game? Because I rewatched it. Sean texted me last night and said, what's this Xhaka thing? And so I looked and I found a video and it was shared by an Arsenal fan, to be fair, for transparency. And it basically was playing the point up until that moment and the point after. And there's a thread where if you want to get really specific, you can see decibels rising and you can hear <laughs> these things. But it largely played, it's just see if you could hear a volume shift. And there was really no difference. It mm. There's a moment of, as anything is, what's happened here. But I think even the referee made more of it than it needed to be. I don't really get what Xhaka was doing in the sense of there was no real need there, but he's basically, he's been fouled by Canate just beforehand. And it's always sour grapes when you criticise the ref afterwards. I think Paul Tierney, both fans, if you'd asked them before the game, he's just a shit ref. He should not be refereeing games at this level. He's far too easily, he gets won over by home support. He just, the, the, the magnitude of the game can get to him. He loses control very easily. Very easily. And, and we criticise the officials, not just me, it sounds very sour here, with the Arsenal-Newcastle game where the referee just started just pinging cards out and just everything was totally a foul. Totally right, Yesterday, Paul Tierney didn't seem to work out what he thought a foul was and what he thought wasn't. Because looking at the two penalty incidents, there's not a great deal in difference of contact between the Jota penalty and the one he doesn't give Salah at the end of the game. Yeah. So if we're even talking mm. consistency there. Canate takes a chunk out of Xhaka as he goes through. He then loses the ball and basically leaves winning on Trent. Trent, if I'm being completely, is the only difference between what Trent does to Xhaka and what Decore does to Harry Kane that it's not in his face. Because Trent quite literally has a bald fist in yeah. his back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was simultaneously probably a little bit lucky but also, like you said, just about probably from the placement of it, you'll get a yellow rather than a red. But you'll, I don't know, I thought he was playing with fire himself, Trent. And then Xhaka, obviously, then going head to head with yeah. him afterwards, you're always I, I think Xhaka playing was, dangerous. Xhaka was saying to him, go on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they were kind of saying to each other a little bit. Yeah, which... he's been on the opposite end of that. But midweek, we had Harry Kane and you had Gary Neville in the studio, by the way. He turned it into... Kane's eyes being clawed out which I've never seen a shift like it especially when you're doing a demo on camera yeah. <laughs> what a weird but there was a thing from pundits alike other than Jamie Carragher to be fair that was saying well what's he supposed to do there Harry Kane he's supposed to go down 
I'm not sure because of the fact it is Xhaka what happens there. If Xhaka throws himself to the floor after he's clocked in the back by Trent and he forces them to have a look, all you see is a balled up fist and then it, it at least becomes a conversation. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he should have been sent off for it, by the way. I'm not... No, saying. but I do, I do agree. It probably would have become... I'm saying in terms of flaring things up, there's a lot being put on Granite Xhaka here when he was probably the least aggressive in the situation and Trent should be rolling the fans up. So I'm not even slating him. No, no, no. It's Yeah, I I didn't think, I thought people used it probably as an opportunity to say classic Granite Xhaka where I thought he didn't do anything that wild. I I do think it's not like it was a horror tackle by Kanate. So I think you probably don't need to react the way you did. And with you 2-0 up, and your what is is your most experienced player? He's probably got to be one of yeah, him, him and party. Him and party, yeah. So I'd probably go. I'm going to lead from the front here and, and not do that. Um, and again, our, one of our only hopes would have been a man sent off. Something like not that. So don't risk it. If we win the game, then the the commentary says, "Look, this is a different Arsenal side. They're not they're not letting themselves get pushed about anymore. They're not going to take it. They're going to stand up for themselves. They're going to do it within the refines of the law." I would say that if we'd stuck it on you. Then yeah, but it kind of came a bit out of nowhere. Yeah. It's say if Trent had nailed him, yeah. and then I'd say yeah, you know what, bite back and, and stand up to yourself. But it, it wasn't really that. And so I, I as much as I appreciate what you you said about there wasn't that much of a difference. I think there was a noticeable difference after that. In terms, of, sometimes it could be a foul. Sometimes it could just be like a, a big challenge. We miss it just a great gets people going. We miss a great chance immediately after. But and the big thing, the the bigger factor was how quickly we scored after it. So yeah. That was where you go, where did we make a mistake here? It was letting them score then. So not, we, I wouldn't say the, the Xhaka no, thing So in we itself. have like, in that space of, I think it's like 94 seconds or something hmm. like that. We go up the other end and I think Martinelli tries to find Saka at the back post and he doesn't get it to him. And then it goes immediately down the other end. Ben White doesn't, win his header I'm going to say gets pulled in a bit. and in terms of what the ref was doing he books Ben White for excessive force in a challenge where he gets the ball Canate if we're talking excessive force and again I'm going to I don't think it should have been a booking for Canate the one on Xhaka there's just no that one um, that one he does I think it's the beginning of the second half yeah. Canate it's an absolute monster is, of a challenge. Yeah. And he he was... <laughs> him... Oh, in real time, I'm thinking, fuck, maybe he's gone over the top here. And he, and he didn't. No. But uh, the fourth one, that and was unbelievable. kind of where it terrifying is. Terrifying, man. That's, that's kind of where it is in that for all we say about the players and um, we'll speak about Robertson in terms of dishing it out, Xhaka is fairly honest in that He'll dish a few of them out himself, but he also, he didn't call for a card. He stayed down for a second and then got up and jumped no, it I, off. I like the way he got up was like, yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did quite and enjoy that. And that's what we always say with the players. If you're going to dish it out, you have to be sure, able to take exactly. it. And Xhaka is quite fair with that. Yeah, I think fair. he knows what he is, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I'd say the thing was, after the Xhaka thing, I think, and maybe this just happens to be the case, but I think the game is chaos after that. If you look at the whole of the second half, and we, you might not, but we're going to remember this is like a great Premier League game. Yeah, no, and, I've watched it all back. So and it's all entirely due to the fact that, oh my God, this game was just absolute chaos. Yeah. And it is after this point. Now, again, 
whether that's coincidental, maybe it's just because of when we get the goal that that happens, but there is quite a clear before and after the Xhaka situation. If we going to blame players, I actually think there's an incident that flares the crowd up far more about 20 seconds before this incident, and it's Saka kicking the ball away. The crowd get far yeah, more up for yeah. that. What a game off, didn't we? No. Get on my card. I actually think there was kind of just a difference anyway in that um, there was one particular Liverpool fan who's been calling his own players cunts for about 40 minutes <laughs> right very audibly down the microphone. Fucking knobhead. He's yeah. getting said so much on the thing. And I think he just switched maybe with that Saka instant around that point where the fans went from shell shock to restlessness mm. and then it got a bit fiery. Um, I think there was just a sense of it's 2-0 if we get a goal back, this changes it. That's where, look, the Jacker incident didn't help, but I think some of the reporting in that this, if Jacker doesn't do that, then Arsenal see out the game 3-4-0 and it's all roses and rainbows. Well, Sky tends to work on narratives and drama and storyline as a, you know, that's their point, isn't it? So, and like you said, Neville doesn't need much encouraging to go along with it. So, well, I, I think it has ever it's one of those things where there's absolutely a point here, but you've maybe made it five times more well, than it needed to be. Than I was than shocked it was. to see Talksport. I expected to run with it, and to be they seem to be the ones almost playing it down. I was shocked to see Match of the Day two running with it, and in an era of unneeded stats, I thought stats of possession touches shots before and after the Xhaka incident was one of the most mental things I've ever seen. Again, the, the thing is, the thing that makes it so unreliable is because of how quickly we scored yeah. after it. Because once, you know, you're not educating anyone here, but a game at 2-1 is very different to a game yeah. at 2-0 with the home team coming back. We probably are going to start getting on top a little bit more. It, it was just, you know, I guess if you really wanted to make the argument, you would go where the game did seem to come a bit more chaotic. Would we have got that goal without it because we did see more energised and we got players into the we, box so in a way that Henderson got into the box for that touch to Salah yeah. Salah's alert to it at the back post it's would we have done that with the way we were playing we were pretty pedestrian yeah. weren't we there wasn't much intensity to us prior to that we had an identical one last season didn't we where Arteta rolls up a clock when the game's nil-nil and then you score on half time and the whole thing afterwards was Arteta lost his edge and Arsenal were doing well before that and we lose the game like 3-0 and it was you were a significantly better team than us last season. Are we saying that because of that Arteta Klopp incident, the entire game turned? No, it got the fans going in a way they weren't going before, and that was far more audible in the difference. But it was also just one team at home was far better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, it did feel just that you prodded the bear and. <laughs> I guess if you want to you know, use the logic with, say, with the Martinelli goal early on, as you said, points quite in the crowd, get them out yeah. of it. If we're going to sort of carry on that logic, then don't give them yeah. excuse to get back yeah, into sure. it. Is the- oh, I was cursing cursing the screen. But when I watched it back and I heard the noise, it was, okay, it's actually not as bad as I thought it was. I think it, I do think it was a factor. But yeah, to reduce the entire game to that incident does seem a bit reductionist. In... Um- Line with the uh, shouts of agenda, all these things. The uh, if that was Granite Xhaka, if Xhaka makes that Canate challenge, do you think he gets a second booking? Do you mean 
The one where the one Canate puts in on Xhaka. In the second half, it's not the one that they don't give that leads to Xhaka trying to scrap. No, with so the, the second the half actual one. one that big solid challenge, but gets the ball. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, there is an example of crowd would have been up and we would have surrounded the ref. And then this is, you would have gone, abandoned. whereas this and, was a slightly different... And the ref buckled so many times yesterday. Um, Canate, by the way, um, if not today... There might be a conversation at some point of which centre-back you build your team around if this guy can keep himself fit because that guy is... He's a monster. In the fact that they can have him and Saliba scary, at that age range, I think he's a little bit older than Saliba by maybe a year. Hmm. Freakish. Freakish. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought in the first half was the shakers I've seen him. But he grew into that game in the second half. You were like, oh my God, this guy's terrifying. There was one... At- maybe the end of the first half where Martinelli isolated him down the flank and Martinelli actually tried to do a bit more skill than he's perhaps used used to. And from there, he almost seemed to realise, like, I'm actually pretty good at this kind of thing. And both centre-backs peeling wide at either side of the pitch was really a staple of the game. Gabriel clamped Salah for the most part in an ultra-high line at Anfield in front of fans Maybe being I've not seen any centre back deal with Salah like that since Klopp was there at Anfield. Hmm. When you think he was basically playing, he didn't have a left back there next to him. (laughs) So he's playing as like a left back and a centre back. That's about the hardest game as a left centre back in Premier League football. Yeah, maybe going up against Salah at Anfield there. I don't know if there's a, if there's a winger in the league that doesn't play for our club that a centre back would maybe mark on his calendar and say, "I'm going to have a tough game this weekend." No, certainly if we're going to wide men, obviously I presume everyone would say Haaland. Yeah, be obvious, but yeah. Um, I think if you ask Gabriel who he'd rather play against, and maybe I'm saying that too soon before we play them in a fortnight, but yeah, I agree. Only in that it's just harder just by positionally. It's, it's I just more couldn't difficult. believe how well he was doing to keep on the right side of the law as well he was being ultra physical he was rushing out with the speed at which is maybe a bit underrated in his game and I I said to you very different after we beat Leicester um, in the game in terms of away days as a centre back this guy is just we, we we changed our system maybe slightly. We set up in like a man-to-man press yesterday. And you basically say, and I think maybe you have to do this at Anfield, every man on the field has to take their own responsibility. And you make it far more obvious if someone makes a mistake. Gabriel looked like he took that Salah match up personally. Yeah, I think that's what you've got to do, isn't it? Um yeah, it's, it's difficult because I have seen, obviously, Salah have some quiet games against players. So I'm sure you'll have listeners to this going, well, oh, centre back did this to Salah or whatever. So I, I can't think of another one that is, as a reference point to compare to. But uh, yeah, I guess I would I would say Salah obviously grew into that game towards the end. And I'm not saying that's Gabriel's fault. There's probably only so much you can do. But I did think he, you know... It's not for Ramsdale and a terrible penalty. No, because I mean... Salah could have a couple on the score sheet. We'll, we'll get to the substitutions, but I actually think 
that took some responsibility away from Gabriel. And when you look at the goals, it's almost like I can close down the ball here because we now have an extra centre-back. And mm. I think that centre-back is about as bad of a change as Arteta's made all season. It was an odd, to, to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was odd when he was doing it. Um, but when I, when I say about how Gabriel was doing with uh, Salah, it's really what I was expecting Holding to have done with either Darwin or Bobby at the end, and he doesn't either. Because that, if our left-hand side was working well with Zinchenko was, I thought Erdegaard had... It's tough to judge the game actually as a whole because the first and second halves were so different. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that Xhaka and Erdegaard were two of our poorer performers, whereas I thought Party and Zinchenko in the midfield were very good. And you do have to put an asterisk on Zinchenko and say there is that last incident, but there was so much down his side. He was cooked for about 70 minutes. There's When he started misplacing a pass, he kind of passed one straight to Salah on about 70 minutes. And I thought, your race might be run. <laughs> and then we just took so long to get Tierney on. Yeah. Let's talk about the linesman incident. <laughs> Liverpool's players were outraged after the halftime whistle went. To be honest with you, I thought he'd sent Trent off at first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking, what the hell's I gone was, on? Because so remember there. Remember when we played Spurs at away away, mm-hmm. and the whistle went, and commentary made out that they'd given a penalty for Gabriel blocking the ball and then Kane falling over him. Yeah, right on half time. Yeah, and you're just waiting to see the confirmation with your own, like this has actually happened. When I saw the yellow card go up and the first person in front of me was Trent. I, I, thought, I don't know what he said, but I can't, I cannot believe this is how us against temp. This is what we need. Yeah. 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 Maybe and not then, Trent. If we get someone else yeah. off. And then it was like, what, what the hell has happened? And then just as like sky cutting away, we just get Caro going, Linus for an elbow. Yeah. You can't be leaving yeah. us with that. And then they took that was an extended ad break at half time. Yeah. Like yeah. they were making sure they had everything in order before they started. And we got it at thing. the right at the end of the analysis, I thought was quite interesting. They didn't go straight to it. We thought we'll do everything else first and we'll figure out what we're gonna yeah. do with Again and I don't even think I need to put on the record at this point. My dislike for Andy Robertson is up there with any player I've ever seen my team go <laughs> up against. I think he is just about any word. What a boy. Any word that you, I mean, I already said a word I don't like saying on this podcast already anyway, and in general. But whatever worst word <laughs> there is, I would put Robertson in that conversation. <gasps> oh, what a guy. So I have. we're going to have very different viewpoints here. We are, I'm sure. I think it's fair game. <laughs> I think Robertson should be the one not out for the second half. Fucking hell. If in the same week we've given an eight match ban for putting your hand on But he on didn't push fish, him, did he? he pulled, I do think there's a difference. He pulled him. He, he He's like, he's pulling his shoulder to say, talk to me. Yeah, which I. Look, I think I said with regards to the Mitrich fit, I think if you just impose, say, an automatic free match ban, if you touch an official in any way, and then if it's more extreme, say, aggressive, pushing, make it a longer one, that's the way to do it. So if they were doing that, I would say, yeah, as a blanket rule, you'd stop something like this. But I do think... Because when people said, oh, 
well, Robertson touched him first. I was thinking, I'll have to watch this back. See, is there something bad? Like, well, he barely touched him. And then he's got an elbow for his trouble. Now, whether the liner even means to elbow him no, is a separate no, matter. No. I think... But, I don't know. I think if he elbowed the liner in the throat, if the liner went to touch him and he elbowed the liner in the throat, he's obviously getting sent. There's no way he's coming back no, out. It's... So if we flip it on the head and they go, wow, the liner's fine to do it. There's something a bit weird about the it's, whole thing. It's, there's a thing, and this is in the exact same category as the Kane one from midweek. There's a, there's a realisation, and it, it's almost like you see in films because there's this thing that plays out in films where all the bullied kid has to do is punch the bully back and the bully, regardless of his size, is going to have no will to fight at all and you are going to batter him. Whereas nine times out of ten in that actual situation, the bullied kid swings back and he's getting the fuck kicked out of him. (laughs) This was one of those where, like the film... The guy shrugs off. And that's what I actually think he's trying to do. I think Robertson's trying to turn him, is shouting at him. The official isn't turning around. And I think he puts his arm on, he puts his hand on his shoulder to kind of pull him to the side and say, look, I'm trying to speak to you mm. here. The guy goes to shrug him off. I bet he doesn't even know until he gets down the tunnel or he's heard Robertson scream over to the ref. Hey, hey, what's he <laughs> I don't think he actually even knows that he's clocked him in the chin or whatever it is. I don't know. I think the liner was pissed. And I don't blame him if he was because pissed. A player in your ear probably is quite annoying. Robertson was giving it to him. There was one mm. at 2-0 up where he tries to take a chunk out of Saka. Mm. And he misses. I think he kicks the ball away and he's trying to appeal that it's actually your throw. And he's giving it to the official then. It's a particularly tough because I don't like these officials either. So it's like, who do I want to side with here? <laughs> like double knockout territory. Yeah, I, I think I, I do think the Lionel lost his rag a bit. Um, but do you think he's tried to elbow him? Because if you think linesmen don't often get the opportunity, so maybe the composure wouldn't be there. But for as angry as we even see players, we'll very rarely see a purposeful cop my arm back ready to jolt it no, at yeah. you and so he's either really lost his rag and that's why I think it's more of a I think it's a very strong get off me mm. kind of thing I just think if most people watching that don't like Andy Robertson no if he's getting in your face like he's the official the official probably feels the same way he probably thinks I don't fucking like this guy I'm like, pissed I've got a screaming crowd behind me like, and I don't think necessarily he's consciously thought I'm going to elbow this guy that's why I think that- but it could be an elbow for um, whatever I'm going to do to get rid of this guy get him out of my face um, which in the heat of the moment a lot of people probably would have done but in the heat of the moment you're probably going to end up facing a ban or something or maybe we won't with our officials but yeah, there I- probably has to be some sort of consequence for it I think in the same way as if players put their hands on the officials there should be as well I think the technique of it was such and we're breaking this down like Rogan and DC here. I think the technique of it was such that he went 12 and 6 as a DQ well, I think if he was trying to elbow him then you'd do it differently <laughs> yeah but he's like, not going to go turn around and start splitting his eyebrows this was like a Yaya Rodriguez like he's <laughs> bent his elbow upwards to try and clock him in the chin it's just a weird one would you say he's lucky Robertson doesn't go down I think the optics of it are screwed from the get go that is that the biggest linesman you've ever seen? Yeah, he's got marbles on him. <laughs> he's a big guy. And I think that's part of the issue. If it's one of these 
weedy guys we usually see on there. Yeah. If it's yeah. Mike Dean's come back in to run the line for a week, and I tell you, I'd be severely tested then if I had to <laughs> make a decision. I may even side with Robertson in that instance. I think that's part of it. And I mean, the other thing I will say, and and again, maybe this is looking bad on my part. I don't think there is any real. It's become become a debate point discussion. If it's most players other than Robertson, I don't think it's a discussion. I think we're all going, "What the fuck is this Lino doing?" But and and again, I don't. I'm not confused about why people don't like Andy Robertson. So I, I do get are, it. And it's, <laughs> if if it was most other players, if. If I was about to say Kanai, Kanai's a fucking unit. But if you had to put Saka there. Yeah, Hendo, whatever. I think we're all going, just unanimously, what the fuck is this Lino doing? I think. But because it's him, people are going, well, I might quite like the chance of him, you know? I can, kind of, I can kind of get it. And so we've got a weird sort of discussion. And by the way, if this official gets some sort of punishment, you are going to have 20, 30% of the population are going to be white knighting for this guy going, well, hang on a minute. What's going on here? What's what's wrong with that? Like officials throwing elbows is just the done thing. I think if I was to pull because you don't like Andy Robertson, which again is is understandable, but you can't then just go throwing no. elbows because you don't like someone. If I was to pull you up on one thing there, I think if that's Henderson, I'm not sure the opinion is the way you think it's going. I no, think it's no, very good similar. point. No, I was trying to think of someone in our team that's fairly reasonable. I was thinking most people are hated. That's difficult. I get. Do you think? Trent is largely seen as this feeble pushover bloke, so maybe, maybe it's Trent. <laughs> it needs to be Firmino. It needs to be Firmino. Yeah, yeah, maybe then. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the only people that have likable in our ones are normally like the bigger blokes. Like, can I? A, I think Van Dyke's like what most people probably well, disagree. Allison, they're all like big, big fellas, and you can't really go. Even they can't go complain about getting out of a fight official. Yeah, if you go to our like young player equivalents, do not canvas the nation on what they think. If that guy elbows Harvey Elliott or Curtis, yeah, Jones. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. There's no way they're getting anything but heat for it. No, and it it, it is a tough one. I, I think we're gonna get better footage in the next couple of days hmm. because. Largely like the Kane one, it's to Robertson's benefit that he didn't go down if you want to be taken seriously at this. Yeah. Because the Kane one goes down and not that it should be the case, but most people have the response of Sean Dyche in that situation of, oh, come on. What are you? Yeah. yeah. The fact Robertson doesn't, the fact that he's kind of screwed, hey, hey, like he hasn't done worse through the entire sure. game yeah. is is the tough one, but I think most, for what it's worth, I think most of the Liverpool players' reactions was shock because it is a it's a pretty shocking thing to see or hear has happened, isn't it? So I do think you know Trent and Hendo were genuinely like, what the, what the fuck? Go <laughs> control then, your boy, to and, the then ref. Get, and then he gets the booking for it, which mm. tells me either the ref doesn't believe him and he's like, just shut the fuck, get away from me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, or. Robertson has said something bad to the official which isn't going to help his case because even that's then the same defence as but he did this first whereas the that's the linesman is going to say he said this to me the defence like he put his hands on me first that's what it's going to and be. Yeah. maybe if we're applying precedent they may look to the Bruno one with the official and say we didn't 
do anything with that one because the official put his hands on him first. And they may flip that and say yeah. he put his hand on him first. Just a level of contact, isn't there, that is different? Yeah, because I, I didn't like the way it was being approached with... Um, they did it on Match of the Day. They did it... They worded it this way on Sky as well. Look, we've had so much debate in the last few days about players putting their hands on officials. So, to flip it round, and we look, we have to do this here... I didn't think they were the same and that is mainly because of the angle. Maybe if we see the official's face and he's screwing his face up, he's biting his lip and he's like gritting his teeth. When you saw the Mitrovic one, you saw the anger in his face compared to the official and that made it far easier to determine this guy's in the wrong, this guy's in the right. I think we'll see a lot because if you get a shot from the front and it's Robertson screw facing finger pointing, grabbing him, it's going to look worse and the official is straight faced the whole time. If the official, you almost clock him, hear something and he looks over his shoulder and then you see the elbow go up, then it's going to be a horrible look. I wouldn't be surprised if both get bans. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. Or the the pressure does largely seem to be on the official. So I think often in these cases, they do. It may work against the FA that I don't know if you clock this. The FA have appealed the eight-game ban for Mitrovic, and they're saying it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. So that may wild. come back to bite them. And and, they- yeah, I think that and the Bruno the Bruno thing is fucking them. Because once he got away with it, they've, they're have behind the eight ball now. So then, Robertson, if he gets banned, we're going to go, well, he didn't do anything more than what Bruno did. The difference was, this official decided to elbow him. Bruno didn't get elbowed. So what, how is our player getting banned? And yeah. everyone is just going to use Bruno as the example. And it's and again, doesn't help this Man United player. People are going to use that as, no. as an example. So they've confirmed since that he's been taken off all match duties until they've concluded an investigation. And again, you know, what's that going to mean? Is he going to have a week? Is it going to be the end of the season? It, it's a weird... It's, it, it, it depends really. And I don't think you're uh, naive <laughs> enough to think differently. Liverpool fans are probably the worst fan base you could have done this to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. In Arsenal and United are probably joint next. I think Arsenal kind of get big boyed a little bit when they try this kind of thing and it's they're kind of swatted away. So United are probably the next worst ones you could have done this to. Liverpool are probably the worst ones because they are they're just not going to be dropped. Give it like a double bone. Yeah. Klopp, I thought did the right thing because if Klopp flares up after the game and says, I can't believe they did this. It's You can't do this. You can't do that. That becomes the headline. As Klopp said, you need to let the picture speak for themselves. And in letting the picture speak for themselves, one guy lifting his elbow, when you print that in a paper for yeah. people that haven't watched a game, it's now escalated because it looks even worse. But and look, there's, there's, if you made this player on player, player pushed one and the other one dropped an elbow on him, the guy doing the elbow is going to be in a lot more trouble. And we wouldn't, again, we wouldn't be on here debating. But I've seen... If an, they should. I've seen Sadio Mane elbow an Arsenal player three times in the last three seasons with more contact. Yeah, but that's also in play. So yeah, you can yeah, make... Okay. You know, if he had just spontaneously <laughs> done it, I think even he might have eventually got sent off. Um, for those listening, may say we've gone an hour and they've not heard my pain at uh, the latter half of this game yet. It's so coming. Maybe I've been going quite well. Um 
All right, we've spoken about Curtis Jones. All right, time-wasting is another point of contention in this game. I've spoken about Newcastle, and Liverpool fans reminded me of that very swiftly um, during the game <laughs> yesterday. The, the issue here, as irritating as they are being on either side of it, it's that all teams do it. And so we're in a we're in a position here where I think if I'm the Premier League and I'm looking at this from an optical point, do I want the game to be played with the best possible tactical advantages and changes? And I actually think for that point, the timeouts work quite well in us seeing the flow of the game change and the differences that can be made. And you make this real point and you say, look at what Arteta and Klopp and Pep and whichever big name Spurs have brought in at that point and say, (laughs) look at what they can do in just a number of minutes to completely flip a game on its head. So it may be that they do bring in a timeout kind of thing Mm -hmm. because at this point, my uncle texted me saying, what's what's wrong with Ramsdale? And I said, (laughs) I don't know, but he does this seemingly every single week. Yeah. And the first couple of times he did it, one of the first times actually was when we played you at home. I remember there was this brief thing where it was like, is Matt Turner making his debut here? Matt freaking Turner. Has he done his, because he would always hold his ankle, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. And it was like, he can't kick the ball. And then he gets up and he's sound and (laughs) we carry on. It worked quite well until you scored. Absolutely. And I probably wouldn't have noticed it. I was too panicky even at 2-0 to say that any time you had a chance, someone was injured. And something I would ask you about, because I saw a clip yesterday of John Terry talking about Jose, and it was what a genius this guy is. He'd read the rules and he'd found out that if two guys are down at the same time, then you're not asked to leave the pitch and the treatment comes onto the pitch instead. And so he was said he was told that, look, if we're winning 1-0, if we're trying to see out a game at a corner... Both of you go down. And he said there was a point where Howard Webb tells him to get off the pitch. And he says, no, check with your linesman. The rules are, because two of us are down, we stay on the pitch for treatment. And he said, in game, the referee checked and they both stayed on the field for treatment. Fucking hell. And he said, this was the genius of Jose. And all the comments are like, this is why this guy is the best. This is why this guy is the best. And so in the moment, we hate these things. and But then we look back and we look at, Jose's inter-team and we look at the awful I guess Conte teams and all of these things and I have to think if more was made of it say Arsenal won the league this year gonna save that or City I mean we speak about City and their tactical fouling that came through Arteta in five years time when you look back at that team and you go they had a real bit to them actually they did this so well and I don't know Ben White is doing an interview saying I mean we were told to do it as soon as they were building up ahead of steam and Arsenal, say we win the game yesterday, you let miss a chance late, someone goes down, we kill five minutes. Then it's being interviewed after and it was great from Arteta. He mapped out and he really reduced Anfield to this. It, it, it's a very weird one, but I don't know how effective it is because it didn't make a difference when you were in the ascendancy and Gabriel has the one that, I mean, he did take a, fairly big bang to the head actually when he headed it clear but that didn't disrupt the game and suddenly change it so I guess if you were an advocate for it you'd say actually it would have been worse if he hadn't done this the momentum would have been even worse they'd have had more chances so 
I mean, how it's looked back on is often dependent on the style of manager, style of team. There is something about the shithouse manager, shithouse team that people look back fondly on in a way that I'm absolutely sure that the teams that Wenger won with did this at moments, but we never talk about it because we're more focused on the style of play and those sort of things. Um, all successful teams will do it. The difficulty, it's absolutely what Arsenal should have done at Anfield. And it's as good as the atmosphere can get. It's also, as a team and sometimes as fan base, will bite on time-wasting very quickly. And it's you can get, there's a fine line between being up for it and just being frustrated. And obviously, the most I've said before, the most obvious example is the Gerard Slip game, where we're just so frustrated by time-wasting yeah. immediately and we're biting every time. It's absolutely what Arsenal should do. The problem is with it is that we'll say, so from your example, you go, well, that's what we're supposed to do. But then when Newcastle do it, something we'll be like, exactly, this is yeah. just so fucking annoying. And it, and it is. It, it's a difficult thing where when it's your team, you get it. <laughs> when someone else is doing it, it's like, this is just killing the game. Is it the extent to which it's done? Is it is there a line where you go, right, I'll accept it a certain, certain amount, but after a point it becomes excessive? I I'm not sure. I think it's a pretty obvious example of I don't mind it when I do it. It's really annoying when someone else does. I've never seen a guy so aggressively booked for walking to take a corner before. Because because there's nothing in the rules that says run to take the corner. One of the best things with the Saka one, though, is how just wholesome this guy is as a character. He was almost... You could see him basically apologising as he's doing it. It's like, well, look, that's obviously what I'm going to (laughs) do. Looking at the crowd, you go, well, yes, sorry, but this is obviously what we're going to do. Jumping in... I didn't think the Gabriel header was as easy as they perhaps made it out to be. I think if that goes over the bar, you're basically told, get it on goal. Um, I mean, big chance for sure. Though. It's a really good chance, isn't it? Um, and I think as much as it's a good stop by Alisson, if it goes anywhere else, it's probably going in just because of the proximity and, and the power on it. The, I mean, really the critic of that was Roy Keane, but Roy was just on one yesterday. Everything was either 100 or zero with Roy yesterday. If- if you were if you were Sky, is it better or worse for your product to show him breaking character when he says the baby for the last time about Robertson and it starts laughing? Yeah, I think that's worse for you when you show. I think you pan away and you show everyone else laughing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got to be fuming with Robertson, yeah. basically. And now it's kind of oh, I know he doesn't. Really- Here about half time, by the way, something that I didn't see any of them pick up on the studio saying get on with the game when it's happened at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it is funny with Roy that um, I think he likes to think, like, he just basically lets Neville make a fool of himself and be the Man United sort of yeah. caricature, doesn't he? You can drag it out of him where yeah. you can see, like, oh, United is my club. and But they are funny with both of them that their analysis of Liverpool and Arsenal, because United are a little bit back, it is coloured yeah. a little bit in, in terms of how they, they talk about both of us. They're just a little bit more bullish on a lot of things. Yeah, I, I mean, I quite liked because that was basically everyone else's view of Robertson was, you've got no right to be doing this. And that yeah. is exactly, yeah. yeah, Roy's obviously offering that, isn't he? Um, in terms of the time wasting, and a stat that I saw which were, was interesting and maybe goes on to the substitutions, which we'll get to, when I looked last night, outside of the penalty, actually, this is post-penalty, so between the 57th and the 81st minute, Liverpool didn't have a single attempt on goal. Is that right? 
Blimey. And so when you think about the pressure and how it we felt we, we had a penalty in that time as well. So I think the penalty <laughs> must be on the 57th minute. Well, I mean, because it's, it's not a shamed on a goal, is it? Because he doesn't fucking no. get near it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I read it and we'll get substitutions after we, I guess, we talk about the uh, penalty. In real time, was it a penalty for you? Yeah, I, I didn't okay. I didn't hesitate. Honestly, I thought as Holding was going to do it, I thought, what is he doing? Um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't blink on it, to be honest. I think I tried to apply the logic and this is easier to do after the fact, very much easier to do after the fact. If that was Gabriel Jesus at the other end or if that was Martinelli or Saka at the other end, um, would I want them to go down? In fact, the main issue I have is that Saka and Martinelli don't go down. Mm. The chance at the end, jumping back and forth here, when Saka does that ridiculous spin to take the two defenders out of their game. And it looked like he'd wasted the chance and then he spun him. He's tripped, he's, he's tripped by Canate and he doesn't go down. And it happened earlier in the half as well when Canate was getting so touched tight at times, which, look, I don't know how to tell you to defend Saka either. So maybe that is the best way to do it. But he was clipping him and it was go down. Jota did not need a second invitation to go down. Know exactly what he was doing. I think the second he feels anything on his back before the legs come into it, the most irritating thing of perhaps all of the punditry yesterday was them trying to make Roy Keane and Nostradamus for saying, look, you're worried about holding. We were yeah. all worried about holding. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? This 11 that's been so strong all season, Saliba, a good part of that, gets taken out for Rob Holding and you've picked out that Rob Holding could be an issue. Yeah, genius. I want to put, I don't know if I said this last week on the record now, just so I'm not saying it after the fact, because... I was ahead of the fact on Chelsea appointing Lampard as a caretaker manager and I didn't tweet it and I'm really annoyed that Ruin I didn't it. tweet it. Um, after the World Cup, when Saliba came back, he was very rusty. Gave away the penalty at West Ham, gave away uh, the goal against Leeds. The idea that Saliba is going to have all this time out and just come in at Anfield or the Etihad and just be this same guy that he was in the lead-up it, it is very strange to me and ultimately I guess if you're Arteta you're saying Rusty Saliba match fit Rob Holding and I can maybe see where we're going with this but yeah yeah, the idea that he comes in and he just puts on this monster class at Anfield is is one that I'm not quite buying in the same way that uh, other people are but Rob Holding seems to have no middle ground he either goes completely touch tight like he did with Son last season and I take some blame off him for that because I have to think that's what he was told to do. It just didn't work and mm-hmm. it was mental anyway. Yesterday was times when like Darwin was running at him or whoever and he was backing off, backing off, backing off and I was criticising him for it last week. Then at the time when you just need to stand your ground, there was one in the first half where I think Curtis Jones tries going through and he tried and it can backfire. He basically just stood there and put his hands up like, yeah. I'm not impeding you, but I am impeding you. This one, if, if Jota gets a toe to the ball and he fires it in, then we're going to say, what well, does Rob Holden not make a challenge? But you can make a challenge without making that challenge. Yeah. And maybe if you just look at the guys on the pitch, Salah, Jota, 
they're going to go down. If that's Jordan Henderson, maybe. And mm. look, I'm not putting him above going down. But I think he's more of this thing of, if I go down and I don't get the penalty, then that's actually more embarrassing. So I need to try and get the shot off here. It's also, if you give, I think, any player the chance, the thought of doing it, they'll do it. I don't really care who it is about how I want to say oh, they'll do it. But the difference is you've got to know who will instinctively do it. And Jotter is someone who will instinctively yeah. do this. And you're going to have zero chance of getting away with it. I can't believe he didn't score, by the way. I can't believe it's thir- It's now 31 games since he last scored a goal. Presumably up to the 32nd yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Horrible. A lot of sub-appearances there, I know, but... Yeah. Yeah, his record against us and Gabriel Jesus. Him, him and Firmino. One of them had two. Jesus seems to have at the right time decided again. Yeah. He's, I think he's one goal now off 10 for the season, which after having four months out. He was very dangerous in that first half. Yes. Yeah. Scary. Um, did you think he'd score? <sighs> no, I didn't think he should take it. I thought it was very difficult after that Bournemouth one in a big moment. I say it's, a big moment, a fairly big moment. Have. Have we? I don't know who else would take it. Is the no, question because on that pitch? I'm looking around. We've seen this, and, I, and I'd if like we've got to be put through him playing, we may as well put Fabinho on penalties because that might be the only thing he's bringing at this What's, point. I, I can't say I've seen him take one. Jota's got to be a good penalty taker, no? You would hope. Is um, I'd like to see a stat for this. Um, I can't think of an instance in which a player's missed a penalty and not taken the next one. It almost seems like you get the second ticket to atone for the error because the manager doesn't want to... You're ready make, to go. Yeah. And make almost, your story. And there, I think you get three bites it. I think you'll get one more, so which feels a, mad, but I think you get three bites. So there was a thing, and it, it's why I didn't like him taking it last week. And on the one hand, I guess the media over there call it poor character or lack of confidence or whatever. Gabriel Jesus, once he's missed a couple of penalties, seemingly said to Pep, I'm probably not the guy you should have on penalties. Sure. If you go way back, and I was looking at this today, there was an argument, didn't age well, when Mares misses the penalty at Anfield, he snatches the ball off Gabriel Jesus. Bloody hell. Who was the striker at the time, and they were saying, you have to score now because he took the ball off him. Mm. Now, I think he has now a six and seven record, Gabriel Jesus on pens. So maybe Mares knew that and was like, <laughs> what have you taken this either? But yeah, the second one is usually the one where the manager's saying, look, atone for your error. And he just doesn't want to upset you and say he doesn't trust you. Once you've missed two, with with us, when Lacazette went out of the team, there was almost a case of there was no one else obvious to take it and so Saka just being I guess the most mentally strong person on there that wasn't Granite Xhaka and I don't need to see him taking pens probably takes it in like a Maguire like way I would say well, it. Um, yeah he did it and it was his way of atoning for the missed one at the Euros now if you ask anyone outside of an Arsenal fan did him scoring at Stamford Bridge make up for missing in the Euros maybe not <laughs> not quite just just slightly slightly um, less significant to us but we did we did the same with um, Michael Owen back in the day. He missed a couple of pens, took him off him. Uh, we didn't know a few, so... If Saka scores that, I often think who would have been next. And it's surely the Euros? Yeah. Would it have been one of the Liverpool boys? Henders after the keeper. I think Grealish... It was Grealish, yeah. Grealish has to be. And 
because Grealish after didn't he was like look I wanted to take one I wanted yeah, to take I one I promise I wanted it yeah um, yeah the penalty art put my head down I was just you did what Klopp did well I'd forgotten the Bournemouth one <laughs> well, in, the, in, in, in the moment and look well, it didn't help when they then showed the stats of the ones those two missed and then the three he scored two down the middle one just slightly to the right of it I was like well Ramsdale's got his homework done for him so it sounded because as I said I was just listening <laughs> it sounded like it hit the post um, and it had pinged and then I'd not heard them say he got the ball He's not said, oh, he's missed. It was just kind of nothingness. Just noise. And I kind of just delicately <laughs> poked my head up just to see them celebrating. And I said after... We the- should have done a fan cam of just watching you oh, for this. Christ. I said after the Bruno Fernandes one, remember Ramsdale got a lot of flack for celebrating. I think there's something to it. And I have to, I think that's why the players celebrated with him to that extent where... Now that we know so much is done about the keeper moving and then you put it to the side, he doesn't go. Ramsdale clearly makes a conscious decision there of you better put this in the corner either side of me because him just staying straight, he doesn't save the penalty, but he makes a difference. Salah's technique, I actually don't think was like that. I've always looked at Salah as a pick where I'm putting it and then I'll put it there. Bruno was different because Bruno did that that little jog, and then he waits for you to Wait go. Wait for you to make a movement, yeah. And it worked. The The best case I've seen of that was uh, when we should have secured Champions League football at Wembley, when Tottenham were playing there. And Aubameyang did the little two-step, and then Larice just said, I ain't moving. Yeah, and he yeah. got spooked. Physically, you could see his expression, mm. like, what the hell do I do now? And so for, for Salah there, to miss the target twice is... Rough, isn't it? That tells me you're overthinking it. Carroll was spot on with his analysis of it. He said, um, I think with the Bournemouth one, he was trying to make exactly sure of what he was doing. And even the, But the way he shaped up, it was so obvious what corner he was trying to put this in. And I think Ramsdale, the other thing with, again, the, the whole point with Ramsdale staying still, he'll have known where Salah puts his penalties. And when in doubt, especially... It's, I'm going to drill this as I can, probably down the middle. So it's worth you sticking around. Well, Ramsdale doesn't save pens either. He basically makes you miss. Well, there is just something, I said it with Pickford as well, something hilarious when the keeper really celebrates one where he's had nothing to do with it. It's brilliant. And again, it does psych people out, I think. Yeah, uh, Liverpool fans... Um... <laughs> we had the worst example ever of this, someone's going to hold the ball. Because Hendo's yeah, holding the ball. Yeah. I mean, the Arsenal players are all going, well, Hendo's on this one, we'll I psych heard, him out. I heard the commentary say, Jordan Henderson holding the ball for Mo Salah there, you know, taking the steam off him. In what way is <laughs> the, the player still knows they're taking the penalty. <laughs> yeah. Salah, was there something to it? Or his run's always that straight? Because we see sometimes, even if they're putting it the other way, they'll usually start left and they'll kind of curl onto the ball as they strike it. And then you have the option to move and you bang it right or left. He seemed to just be entirely straight. Like even he was overthinking there. Like I can't let him get an idea of what's happening just from the way I'm approaching the ball. No, I I know you always think your player's going to miss the penalty. I, but I had no <laughs> belief in, in this at all. It was even that initial... That little celebration you give when you get the penalty was so quickly tempered by, oh, fuck, it's going to be him, isn't it? There's a clip of one of those uh, fan cams that uh, Chunks was on yesterday with uh, some of them others. And there's a Liverpool fan on there. And 
one of the Arsenal fans says, you know, he missed his last one. And the Liverpool fan goes, why are you even getting your hopes up? It's a goal. It's most, it's a goal. Why are you even getting like, it's a, obviously a goal. I hope the clicks are worth it. I hope they're worth it. Um, See, it's like get, humiliation porn. Yeah. That, is, that is what they're doing by signing up for clicks on that. The game carries on, obviously. I kind of hoped that we would regain a little something after that. We almost would have been better off, I think, maybe to try it. The Liverpool way of, we've got two fast guys here, let's bang it over the top of you. You made a change where Fabinho, so Thiago had already come on, he got on the ball a bit more. Um, you said for Curtis Jones, with you maybe took some athleticism off in. But Thiago was good when he came on, wasn't he? Yeah, so because you, see the merit. you you were no longer having to um, contain his man for man like that. So you were controlling the game. And so it made sense to me in that way. And unfortunately for Curtis Jones, you don't have enough uh, built up in the locker to say, you're the guy that has to stay on. Yeah. No, exactly. And then I thought the most criminal thing ever, because they said immediately on comms, okay, that now opens up the counter-attack more for Arsenal. And then you... And then you took off Erdegaard for a centre-back and I, I couldn't believe it because... I was thinking, does this guy play in a different position than I thought? <laughs> when I saw him coming on, I was like, well, that can't be a defender coming on. Well, there was... There was there was a interview, quite a wholesome interview, actually. Um, if you remember last season when going to the top four again, we went away to uh, West Ham and it must have been... Ben White, maybe, was out and Rob Holding came in and we win the game. Rob Holding scores a header, actually, and we win the game. And he says to the Arsenal interview at the end, he said, um, you know, the fans were calling at the end for Rob Holding to come on and he's already on the pitch. <laughs> and there's something in that, in that if we were going to do that, if it's bats against the wall, usually we've got Saliba and Gabriel already on and Rob Holding comes on. Hmm. And we've actually tried not to do that this season there's the Arteta interview that I always reference where he says, we want to kill them death bot. We want to kill them with 30,000 passes. Mm. That wasn't happening yesterday, but there is still a position where the guy who picks a pass better than anyone in the team, and he played a disgusting one wide for Marcinelli at one point. Yeah. The backspin on it and everything. He did that, and I thought, he just transmitted a level of fear to the team. It's, It's a thing of saying... I believe we're under the cosh here. Yeah, agreed. And then if you're going to make a defensive change, the one we've done in all big games, we did it at um, Stafford Bridge, we did it at um, Tottenham Stadium. He brings Tierney on for Zinchenko. And I think in his absence, Tierney's defensive abilities have been overstated. Yeah, you're probably right. But Zinchenko's defensive... it's, It's not even cooking Zinchenko to say you're not as good of a defender as a traditional fullback. And there's a reason for that. We're not asking you to be. Um, Bringing on Kivior for his second Premier League appearance. He's made one start in the Europa League uh, away at Sporting. He ducks out of the way of a header and then uh, (laughs) they score past Matt Turner. He came on against Crystal Palace and it was a very short cameo. He actually looked very good. He, He stood up Zahar Zahar ran it in, he shimmied him, and then he made quite a good tackle in our area to close it out. But I spoke last week about Rob Holding, and I said that the different profiles of centre-back we have, and we've got 
this kind of stopper and we've got a sweeper. He plays on the left, but he is far more of a sweeper than a stopper. He's a guy who we've bought for his ability on the ball. We've bought for his height, obviously, is part of it. But we've not brought him in there as a Rob Holding, meet and drink. Sure, up yeah. for 10 minutes, yeah. And so I thought it was strange. It had to just be for his height, looking at someone like Darwin there, hmm. in which you then counter and bring on. You'd already brought on Bobby, so I don't even really see the logic hmm. in that. Trossard for Jesus is, is another one in that probably if you were going to bring off one of them, then Saka probably made a bit more sense in the way Jesus was holding the ball up. He didn't look to me like a guy that was out on his feet. In fact, he looked quite frustrated when he came off. Hmm. I, I'm i not sure the no-look pass works like he did when you do the no-look after you've passed it, but I appreciate it none, nonetheless. I hadn't even clocked it in real time because I thought that's just a great bit of play anyway, just the way he flicks it up, it's pulls that it, or and he's, pass it off. And then the replay, I thought that is pretty slick. Yeah. Or he's just scanning to see. Who, I feel a bit dirty saying scanning like those Twitter accounts uh, you get what I mean um, yeah I, I thought we just completely handed the game back to you because I have to say I was incredibly tense but I was far more nervous around the 70 to 80 minute mark where it was okay if you score now what could happen and I didn't think that when you had when you do equalise what could have happened afterwards <laughs> but when we got to so it's 87 minutes you score on at that point this is the first time we've conceded to go back level or behind after 80 minutes all season. Uh, and so to have it snatched away like that, I was kind of feeling more confident. The Spurs game, they did this and we were largely controlled in getting out of it. There's one where the ball squirms to Richarlison and really, other than that, in the last 10 minutes, we, we were calm. I bet you weren't. No, but the, <laughs> yeah. the team yeah. was. And so I, it just felt a very cowardly change to me. Um, I think you're right when you, when you said the message it sent to the team. I think it was the big thing. Getting Tierney on, he had Tierney like ready to come on, but Tierney sh- should have been the first guy. Tierney, Tierney plays on the left of a back five for Scotland. Tierney played in the left of a back five when we had our FA Cup run. It's not an unfamiliar position for him. He's far more accustomed to playing against the likes of uh, Firmino and so on. It just looked like because he didn't have Tommy Asu, one of his guys, it was like, what the fuck do I do now? And I know there's the thing of you've got this squad, you have to use it at this stage of the season, but there has to be some common sense in it as well. Like we have um, Raul Walters on the bench, who's a very highly touted guy in our academy, can play centre-back and can play right-back. And there was people saying uh, before last week, no, he should come in before Rob Holding. And it's like, <laughs> we're chasing down... A t- You're not giving an 18-year-old his first That's appearance bold. in the first team because you don't like Rob Holding. It just doesn't work like that. No. In the same and, way... But same people, if he fucked up, we go, what the hell's Arteta doing playing this guy? They're not going to stand up and go, you know what, I wanted this 18-year-old player. I know he's left-footed and that's a big thing for Arteta. We should maybe read something into At this point, you don't trust him to play over Rob Holding. That should be... If he's the guy we've spent... Was it like 17 million on? Well, not a lot in today's game, but highly touted guy. But at this point, you don't trust him to make a difference more than Rob Holding. And so 
that right hand side after Ben White got a booking was a mess. Someone had clearly said something to him on the touchline because he got so much tighter in withholding, and that meant there was a couple of times where you had an overlap down uh, the left hand side. We were just so much better defensively playing open football than we were camping in. At that point, we had Gabriel up against Salah. When we tucked in, that's how you're able to isolate Salah and uh, Trent against Zinchenko. And you just invited Salah and Trent to start creating overloads. As you said, we had a lot of success down the other side as well. Yeah. Gakpo and Nunes were peeling off to the left. The amount of times Thiago would pick the ball up and be able to spray a pass out there. It, was, it just invited so much pressure on yourself, which you didn't need to do. I'll tell you, for all I've said about Darwin Nunes and I've come to love him in the last uh, couple of weeks <laughs> I bet or so. you did when he missed that one-on-one. Christ. Well, this, this is the thing. For all I've said about him, I wasn't watching. <laughs> when I hear commentary go, oh, Darwin Nunes threw on goal, I was no less scared because it was him. I was still just as terrified. And Death then, by Darwin and Curtis Jones would have been a tough one for you. I just thought of all them songs. There's voice notes out there of me singing the Darwin Nunes <laughs> song. That that new one kills me. Uh, I need a Cody Gakpo. I don't know <laughs> how you get there. <laughs> Can we get to the FA Cup tie? I don't know. It's just it's just too good. But yeah, I just thought he transmitted fear onto the pitch. And Trossard came on, obviously... Unreal touch to set up that late break, by the way, that Martinelli gets wrong. That back heel flick to him is just a joke. Yeah. The man there that I'd rather have coming on with this game state was actually Eddie. And I was hoping people wouldn't laugh at that, but he stretches the field so well in these kind of what commentary would describe as like a basketball style game. Mm. He's so good at that. He did it against um, United and. Punts it up to him. He's very good at running the running the lines, keeping it in the corner, being an outlet. I don't think Van Dijk or Robertson wanted to be up against someone like him at that stage of the game. Trossard no. is far more get the ball in and then he's going to run at you. And even he doesn't have the blistering speed that the other two wingers do. No. It's just frustrating. And that end of the game was just nuts. Bobby... Fuck, fuck, we don't have to play this guy in the league again. Damn shame he's leaving. He was fucking ridiculous yesterday. 11 goals against us now. <laughs> the only two with more. Do you know who they are? In the league in general, is this all for us? Only two Premier League players have scored more goals against us. Not in general. One of them is not the guy you think. So it's not going to be Drogba? No. No. People, well, we forget that this yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, we, we can do a whole thing <laughs> on that. Uh... I'm going to put Robbie Fowler in there. No. One, no, his record's good. Kane is the obvious one. Yep. Rooney. Rooney. I was going to go Rooney one. or Rude was in, was in my head. Yeah, trio of bastards there, really. And <laughs> Bobby, maybe any other time than this weekend. I, I may not be saying that. He was just very, very good. Look possessed as well. Just up for it in a way that he isn't always. He's a very tricky guy. Like, if... If he hadn't kind of said, you know, fact I'm leaving Liverpool, I'm not staying in the Prem, probably do the Gabriel Jesus role better oh, yeah. than anyone else that sure. we have. Um, yeah, just just very good. You see sometimes a player can kind of be like, well, I'm digging in, but I'm competing with something that I'm not going to be here for next year. 
It's not even like Bobby Firmino's legacy at Liverpool. He could have dropped five out of tens these last eight games. Yes, not changing yeah, a thing. Yeah. So, if anything, he's just auditioning for where he's going to go next. Yeah, yeah I yeah. do think the Real Madrid move makes so much sense for me. It makes so much sense for me, but... Yeah, yeah, but it depends what he wants, doesn't it? Because if his exactly. thing is, I want to play and start every week, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, those fans would cook him as well because they'd just be going, well, what do you mean you don't score that many goals? Yeah, <laughs> What's yeah. that about? So, yeah, but in a game like this as well, him coming on, he's done it a few times for us where just someone with that touch and composure is just so nice compared to, you know, some of the other guys we got who, yeah, composure is not the first word you would use to describe them. Well, obviously the, the fear for Arsenal fans most of the week was... Nunez on Rob Holding. Hmm. And I saw a tweet that just summed things up perfectly for me when, I mean, the way we get team news broken at the moment, Darwin Nunez was not spotted on the team walk this morning <laughs> as a way of breaking news is just nuts. <laughs> but it was basically, oh great, Darwin Nunez isn't starting, so Jota or Bobby Firmino are. Like, what the is that all about? <laughs> are we supposed to feel good about that? Are we supposed to? I don't know how we're supposed to take that just a very good, very good player. Um, I think a lot is left to be desired in our defending for the goal. Sinchenko just looked exhausted at that stage. Other than if someone was to just be quite up and down the line and just say, close your legs. If I would say, what can he do differently there? I think if he tries to be more physical, he goes down. The only thing you could say is take him out outside the area. Mm. But I think to, to put your mind in like the psyche of a player, I don't think there's any part of Zinchenko that if you played out that sequence 10 more times, that he can rationally say, this guy might nutmeg me and chip it in here. You're just never going to think that about yourself. I do think as much as people are right to say Zinchenko can defend better, I do think it is class from Trent as well. The composure, flick it through someone's legs and then put that ball in. It's, it is. Not many players are going to do that to you. And then I think just we'd. I thought I was shocked when at Tuning Luck we'd run more than you. And they made that a big thing, didn't they? After the United one, that's a big thing now. They get them stats up. Second half, I bet we ran so much more. Than <laughs> yeah. You. yeah. Um, and that's where those stats can be deceiving. Ben White just looked just exhausted in him challenging for the header. I actually don't think it should be him challenging for the header. It should be Rob holding there and he should be in behind on Darwin or whoever it is. Mm. You brought on, and maybe it doesn't make much sense for Bobby being the guy to score, but you brought on so much height yeah. with, with what you did. And it just felt like at some point this goal was coming I, I was never really I say I was more confident when it was 86 87 minutes on the clock but it felt like an inevitability for me like even when you missed the penalty it didn't feel like that was you going in the Bournemouth game when you missed the penalty it was kind of like you collectively said and there's something mentally that needs to be looked at with Liverpool as to why you feel like it could be your day against Arsenal and it can't be your day against Bournemouth absolutely yeah Absolutely. And that's as much of it. Because for Liverpool's attitude, it's it's not a thing, is it, where when you say Arteta came in at Arsenal and he had to change the attitude, it was kind of for these guys think they can't be bothered or 
these are there was also a thing where the players just weren't very good. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool clearly, for the most part, that isn't the problem. And so that's a bit whether it's the manager motivating the players, because that would point to the game state motivating the players more than the manager. Because yeah. Klopp didn't say something pre-game that only kicked in half an hour in. And Klopp didn't say something at half time that then just carried you for the entire second half. I don't know what it was. Um, there's certain teams where maybe it's like, not myself, I won on the record last season. Uh, you'd rather Man City win the league because oh, no. because, I don't, because I don't know any City fans. I don't know if it's a sense of, when am I going to see these Bournemouth? I'm not seeing this Bournemouth guy on international duty that he's going to wind me up. I don't know what it is that... It, it does seem the team has only been able to get up for some of the bigger games this year. If you look at the energy we end up putting into the Arsenal game, to the City games, not the second City game, the first City game. So again, maybe sometimes at home, is the only times it seems that the team is able to sort of be galvanised and up for it. But for the most part, we look at it like it's a physical thing, that it's a a squad that's got a little bit older, the legs starting to go. There's a lot of it is effort. You can see there, like players are putting in more effort at times than others, and and that like I said that there's a fair question to be laid at the players. Well, in terms of rationalising it for me, um, post game, because we'll get on to that in just a second. <laughs> you've not conceded a goal at Anfield all year. This that's the the two goals we scored are the first goals you've conceded at Anfield this year, mm. and so this isn't despite the place you were in and I think it was Arsenal fans arguing this this week from a place of uh, kind of protecting yourself almost Liverpool fans were doing the same with oh but we're shit this season so you're obviously going to batter us if you take the away form out of the question like if there were you could wave a magic wand when judging Liverpool this season and you could just see the home performances this is still one of the best teams in the league at home and Uh, on any given day yeah, they, it can they can turn it on, but that first half hour, yeah. we just said none of the above was true. Exactly. You, we just said we weren't able to get the crowd going. Didn't look energized. Didn't look like any intensity. And Arsenal were playing at just leagues above yeah. us I, at that point. So it was weird how we were able to eventually kick in. I wonder with the fact that we had the conversation that I've referenced a few times on here before we played Tottenham, where I spoke about do you make it an Arsenal Tottenham game or do you make it a any any old game game. And can Arteta actually do that with Anfield? When you've previously made so much of a thing about Anfield, I feel like your players won't take you seriously if you do that again. So that's probably why there was more focus on the gamesmanship, why there was more focus on maybe quieting the crowd. Maybe it was a game on just... I think the team talk was pretty simple. If we play our game and they play their game, we're better. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that was true for the half an hour when that did happen. Um... I just, after we scored the second goal, I don't think we connected three passes together. I don't remember a clear-cut chance that we created at 2-0 up where I thought, okay, it's, it's still there. Where well, we played through you. It was largely on the break after that. And Arteta, when you've, yeah, when you've done so much previously, it's... it's yeah, you you can't say this is another game, can you? Because especially, it's all documented what he said about Liverpool. Yeah, so I mean, it's, yeah. it's very difficult to then go... Anfield, just another place. This is just another team, just another manager. Yeah, I, I don't think you can sort of take the sting out of it at and all. And that's why issues. I think post-game, it works to your favour somewhat in that you've not dropped two points to Man United at home. 
you're not you weren't tuning up against United at home. They've come back. You say, look, a point here is a very good point. Mm. They lost. They beat United seven 0 You say, Man City lost here. Mm. We got one more point than they did mm. here. We both beat them at home. That's the thing, and I think still speak about Ramsdale. He said post game, the way I've spoken to my players and said, look what we did in the first half an hour. Look what we did after that. We need to understand why that happened after that and understand that if we play at that level in the first half an hour, it's not going to happen like that. If we play at the level we did in that first half an hour, we win our remaining eight games. Yeah. yeah. Whether whether Rob Holding's there or not. There is no team in the league, I think, City included, that can compete with us with a full strength team playing that style of football. If you turn up like that at the Etihad, then we've got a fun game on runs. That's, that's very we, fun. And not we, easy to do. And but. we did in the first half against City at home. Hmm. Yeah. Um, where we were the better team. It's the least passes that City have ever competed yeah. in the Premier League game. Hmm. Um, my fear would be, I've not seen City lose a must-win game in the Premier League for what feels like about 10 years. Yeah. Even the games yeah. they've drawn, it's like, that was a good draw for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The fact that it would be a good draw for us tells me it could be getting spooky. But mm. as I said, after it's weird to even be questioning after leading 2 0 whether it was a good point. And that speaks so much to what happened in the remaining nine minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah. um, Ramsdale, man, this guy is the truth. He is whatever descriptor you want to use, like. Dynasty keep like he's been clutching every single big moment I can remember having this season, and there's always the someone can play this back on the 27th and maybe he drops a clanger at the Etihad, but that doesn't take away no. the performance he had away at Tottenham. When you look at the save on Sessegnon, there was a save on Richarlison, there was a save on Kane, late one from Kulishevsky. This game for a guy most includes, I mean, a large reason of the way I got behind him so soon was pretty much the same reason the Liverpool fans got behind Darwin so quickly. If everyone's, everyone's telling you this guy's shit, then maybe gonna... this guy's not as shit as you're saying he is. I want to be on the right side of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a thing with Ramsdale, much like Arsenal. The abuse I saw us getting for getting drawing 2-2 at Anfield yesterday was something I've, I've never seen before. It's... How do you mean? It's... Uh, I mean, we were getting cooked, really. It was like... You've you've bottled the league here. You've done this. Handed it to City. Yeah, a bit weird. If you've been you, these people have just been waiting so long to get at us that anytime you get a sniff of being able to, you've got to lap it up. Like Ramsdale, Ramsdale concedes a goal for England, and you get abuse like he's just conceded a goal for Arsenal. It's it's insane. I will say unpopular opinion. I thought the first save was a bit overhyped. The one from the deflection? Yeah. Really? Now, again... If it goes in, are you going, oh, keeper should do better? Is that what you're saying? No, no. But I didn't have the benefit of seeing it in real time. Which, <laughs> look, you didn't see any of this game. I've criticised people for not watching the games before. If anything, I watched it twice. I endured this twice. <laughs> plus the highlights, plus every bit of uh, commentary afterwards. Um... I think if you're talking about two wonder saves, then the first save 
gets by well on being included with the second one because I think the second one is on a different level to the first one. Okay. The second one is any piece of commentary you want to attribute it to it, never giving up, you know, uh, doing all these things. And then you're still benefiting from Kanate not understanding how his body works. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when, you know, when you see a kid and you're like, touch your head, touch your knee, and then they're making sure they know what's what. Kanate, if you told him at that point to touch his left knee, he wouldn't have known where to put his hand. Touching his elbow, bless him. <laughs> I mean, in a partial defense of him, where the ball bounces, it is a tricky one where head or foot, you don't know which you should have gone with. But either way, don't go with your chest. For sure. But if... Um, if if we, it was the most ever players on our team, they'll probably figure it out. If, if we were playing for the, the mighty Brockwood of Albion and <laughs> we missed that on the line, you are getting cooked by everyone Slightly else. less cash in the uh, bank than... But this is what I mean. I. At that level with us, we would... So it, a professional it, player it, should it, be able yeah, to it would feel ra- Because yeah. you almost don't actually... You can just... Just run. Just run forwards with yeah, the ball there. Just let it hit you. <laughs> Bouncing off you. You're a big lad. And look, he he doesn't know a lot about it. It's very good from Van Dyke. He very nearly did the Trent where Trent, we overlook the fact that two goals have come down your side because you've got this assist late on. If Van Dyke gets an assist there, we, we might forget what's happened to you earlier in the game as well. But it was Darwin who made it across, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. Ooh, I might that would have stopped me even more. So. Um, yeah. yeah, very and then there was a point where it was like, hang on a minute, there's a there's a break on. I thought when they're scoring here, this is the title winning moment. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I think Martinelli should do better with he, he Alisson reads it perfectly, but I think he should still do he better. One hundred percent should do better. It just feels harsh to the level of Arsenal fans I saw getting on him yesterday felt Harsh what, for not getting that right, yeah, because yes, well, mainly because it, it does look so simple. I, I actually don't think he needs to pass there yet because I think you make it difficult for Saka by playing that, and it's a one on one. And Allison, as we he's the best in the world in that position, so he probably forces Saka wide and will test your composure here. Mm-hmm. I think he can carry on running, and then he's got a choice of do you want to go left to Trossard, right to Saka, maybe you go left to Trossard, who squares it right for Saka, mm-hmm. and he puts it in the net. Um, I think he was just exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Because right. uh, the difference is, I guess, I was going to say, does De Bruyne make that pass? But it's not, That's this is a case of, does Jack Grealish get that correct? And I'm not sure he does. It might not, no. Um, but that's really what this boils down to. It's just the 96th minute, we're out on our feet. And... I was going to ask about this because the way that game was and the way those officials were yesterday, I'm not entirely sure that if we don't put that in the back of the net, they don't pull that back for a Salah penalty. Imagine. (laughs) And I was thinking that as he was through on goal, like don't make them look at this. I think it's disgraceful from Salah, to be honest, but I I don't blame um, him after the penalty Jota's got. No, I think... If he hasn't already given a penalty, I think they might bite at that. I think they might have bitten. I actually also think, us, and it's us breaking helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that definitely does. I think if that just goes out for a throw over by us, they're looking at it. I think um, similar with 
the one where Tierney's pulling on Salah. I think if Salah doesn't, I think he just goes down and doesn't because he eventually obviously does get a shot off. If he just goes down, he'll give them a decision to make there. Again, though, something I've spoken about a thousand times on the pod, perfect from Tierney. So just let's go at the right time. If he holds on any longer, I think they're looking at it, but he just gets enough that he can put Salah off, getting a clean strike. He's going down, puts the ball over. And I think with both of them, the officials might have bit if they hadn't already given a penalty. Unfortunately, but Gabriel was trained by David Luiz on when and when not to let go of the <laughs> shirt, which is the issue. I think what looks bad for Salah is he's keen to stay on his feet while the same level of contact's there until he realises I'm not scoring from this position yeah, yeah. and then he drops. And we've said before and Ronaldo used to get cooked for this. Um, remember there was the Ronaldo thing that was clear when he would turn his head as he was going down and it was like that's just you wouldn't ever do that. Salah does never he never goes down without throwing his arms up in the air while going down. And it just looks horrible because as an official, and it doesn't always work, if you can have a reason to not give the penalty there, then I think you mostly take it because it's just irritating to see. Like, and as much as we said about this, they don't want to give a decision here that's borderline in a last minute in a tight, potentially tight winning Some match. of them, I think, do. <laughs> Some of them do worry about them, but I think they were going to, with with the context of the rest of the game, I think they would have gone, we've got to try and get through this and not make this about us um, with success on that. So I think it's going to have to be a really obvious one, especially after you've given a penalty earlier for it to happen. And as, as I said, Salah plays himself because I think there's probably an argument there is a foul there, but you can't make it so that you're basically he's looking up can I get a shot in can I I'm not going to get anything here I'll go down it's the you're comment, playing yourself the commentary everywhere nearly killed me the, the, I can't the, imagine if you weren't watching it the commentary was helpful because there was the, the just chaos asms, and then I actually think Martinelli gets that pass right if Gary Neville doesn't jinx it he screams Michael Thomas's name what the hell are you doing <laughs> in that moment why are you doing yeah, this he thought he had his um Torres is yeah, in here he moment all over again, didn't he? He did. And I actually think with that, with those, I mean, obviously that was an exceptional circumstance. I think it was the last player of the game, basically. I actually think if you hadn't made those changes that you had, I think you'd have had a few moments, not quite exactly like this, but a few more breaks like this. That was because we we are probably the most blatant example of when we're chasing a boxer that's going to go for the knockout, and here's the chin. And we're either going to go for, we're either going to nail you, Alex or we're going to get chinned. And we've been chinned quite a lot this year. I think you'd have had was, that, two or three of these, and eventually Martin and Yasaka will get those right. That was when Fabinho went off. I thought that's exactly what's going to happen. And then it, I, I cannot comprehend that change. No, the the it one, is odd. At, the one at Old Trafford when he makes the triple change just as we've got it back to two two. It was like well, we're two one down at that point. I think we're two one down was frustrating but I could at least wrap my head around uh, the thought process mm. Vieira has a good chance after that I think it's um, maybe Tierney that comes on the changes looked like they made sense this one it it, it was just the wrong it, we needed changes yeah. they were just the completely wrong changes yeah. and Arteta is a stubborn man I think if you could privately say to him, they tried to put in that thing on FIFA a while back where you could actually just like redo a thing on your career mode or whatever. You would literally be taken back before you missed the chance and you could have the second chance. You don't slip at Anfield, Stevie. You can do it again. I think if you say to him privately, 
Would you make those changes again? I I think. Yeah. No, I even if he does it the other way around, even if Tierney comes on first, and then yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. holding on stoppage time. He says, "Give your big lad, get your head on that. Whatever comes in, stick to that little fella there, and do not let him get a sniff." Hmm. It's ah uh, yes, just just crazy. And now we're at a point where we're reflecting on the the title race. Like, I understood why they said it based on history, but it was really annoying me hearing them say, you know, Arsenal have put it back into Man City's hands now. It's in Man City's hands because it's equally as much in our hands. And that that was the most frustrating thing there. I think Arteta's done well to get a tune out of the players previously after we've dropped points. And so I, I'm hoping that will happen again. With all due respect to them, is it West Ham, Southampton? You've got between West that and Ham, City again? Yeah, so... so- you know, a big thing, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but a, a big thing could be, regardless of games in hand, we could go into that game against Man City nine points ahead of them. Psychologically, that is yeah. pretty significant. And then say, come and beat us. Yeah. Um, we, we still are in control. I understand that being three points ahead of City, and you had the same in previous seasons, is because of their goal difference it doesn't make too much difference. and In that regard, a loss and a draw didn't make much difference either, by the way. Because no. when you look at it, it's, because we, we you're were still going to have to win your games and you can still go to the Etihad and draw. Yeah. Whereas, and there's only, I think, there's, I think there's like, up until yesterday, there was like three goals in it and they had a game in hand. Mm-hmm. So it's closer than it should be and that's why we should really put some teams to the sword in the and last look few at, weeks. Look at the game in hand, you go, Leicester, so, okay, maybe the goal difference is getting padded then. Oh, well, I saw, um, <laughs> They've got everything is Dean Smith coming in now. <laughs> the, one of the most fantastic things about the Leicester policy is, right, we want to avoid relegation. We're only going to go after managers who have either been relegated or been sacked for nearly getting relegated. Jesse Marsh, Vieira got linked, Benitez right, got linked, Dean Smith. First thing I checked, all right, what's his record like against Pep? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what did you think was going to happen here? Well, sometimes, did you think it? he's going to have some magical record out of nowhere? I didn't expect it to be... Zero, zero, and six. Three goals scored, nineteen conceded. <laughs> I'd have had a punt at something close to that. But you know, um, like Everton have a weird thing with City, don't they? Where they don't beat them every time, but they make it. It's yeah. a weird game. Palace do the same, and that Elise charge in is going to haunt me still. I wish I didn't have. I wish I didn't have that excuse. That Brentford re- re- forgetting to draw the lines is haunting my every waking moment. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if the FA think Liverpool are coming for them this week, do not let us lose the league by two (laughs) points. Um, So we lost ground in the title race, but given the pressure we were under in the second half, that that nine minutes changed it from me being gutted at us conceding to, okay, we may have got away with one there. I think the way we've seen from the documentary, the way... Arteta is able to speak to the players after the game in the, in the week. I think he's going to be able to manipulate this as a look how well we had and survived. It's a bringing together the players in a way that look we survived the battle here. Where because I did think the players, I was struck by as they walking off, they did look. I wouldn't say shell shocked, but they looked a little bit shook up. Ramsdale looked happy. Didn't he? he looked fine, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which again, he's a p- important personality in that dressing room. He's going to pick them up. I think. But you looked at some of the players. I thought they did look a bit down, and I think it. I wouldn't feel too down about this, but 
I mean, if we had got that late Canati goal, these players yeah. probably would have been out on their feet. And this would have been a moment where, again, the, the, the dynamic of the league wouldn't have changed at all, really, from what we're seeing now. But psychologically, I think these Arsenal players might have been, for the first time this season, I would have said a bit shook. Because I've been trying to push him back on most of it, where people seem to think they're just going to lose their heads. I mean, we're, yeah. we're really in the home stretch now, so I don't think we're going to see that. But I do think, I do wonder, just the way I saw some of them, if we had got a late yeah. a late winner, would that have been a, 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 just too much of a kick in the nuts? I, I walked to the shops after the City game on Saturday, and I was cursing you, to be honest. Me? Um, yeah. Oh, no. In what, my head, what have I done? Well, in my head, I just had on repeat, um, he said, I reckon you could break their hearts. And I thought, why did he put that in my head? Because <laughs> they haven't broken. In fact, they're still going in three competitions. And Suleimana, I wish I hadn't seen that touch he has as he's running through on goal. Yeah, oof. And a text from my uncle because when City play before us now, it's, it's, it's too much for me to go through. The thing is that they are like, when they play Southampton, you're not going, oh, well, maybe. There, there isn't even a maybe. No, no. You're like, it's, it's, so it's not. I don't need to see how good they look no. here because they do look very good. <laughs> yeah. And look, a lot of the stuff you're, you're saying about with the, like any drop points, it's made out like this is the end of the world. Like you said, it, what? Like I say, it's back in City's hands or whatever. You know, a draw at Anfield isn't like chaos. It's not. Remember that's you, not the worst thing ever. Around this stage like the last season, um, you drop points away at Spurs. Yeah. And it was the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And the thing I thought was strange, and I'm actually not directing this at you, but some of the Liverpool fans that were cooking me yesterday, like, you know, you, you don't have this uh, for City like we did. You don't, you don't have this. Liverpool haven't won a title race with City. They won mm. a title in the race when it. there wasn't a title race. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's part of it. So the reason I was checking that Mara's penalty was to see when it was. Like, they won the league that year when Mares missed a penalty, Gary Neville was telling you that the year they won the treble, they didn't win at Anfield. Most teams don't win at Anfield. The thing is, don't lose at Anfield. And breaking it down like this is, is a weird one, but if Man City win their remaining nine league games, that would mean a 14-game winning run. And I think you kind of have to hold your hands up and yeah. go, yeah, fair you play. You do. And also, in the same way that I always say about the Leicester season, and so I can't really change my tune now, we beat them twice. And it was like, you lot didn't do your jobs. Hmm. Well, if, we, if we lose twice to Man City in the same season, I don't think we can have too much of an argument for them. Yeah, maybe the fair. Maybe fair. It's, it's difficult. You... If you don't win it, you could end up in the same spot as we were, where you get like a points total. Where you're like, "How the fuck have we not won the yeah. league here?" Well, that's that's um, the thing. That, and, and at that point, you've kind, of, you, like you said, you do have to go. Well, that's just a juggernaut of a team. That's that's the it's most horrible, but. irritating thing. Listening to these Man United guys when you hear them talk about their experience in a title race, and it's like your title race was not like our title race. No, no, no. And in fairness to him. Neville half confronts this every time where he goes, but we haven't seen a team like City. And he, there was one segment where he did it and it was almost like he realised what he'd done. Where he was like, well, you know, they're winning 12 games in a row here. We never did that. And you can see him and Roy sort of look at each other a bit like, don't ever say that again. <laughs> don't ever let the record show that. And it was a thing when, and I don't want to be the, the bitter Liverpool fan here, when they presented to Roy 
Bordis Liverpool team be remembered as a great team. And you're like, well, I know what you're doing here. You're teeing him up for to rant and say no. Yeah. And, he, and he said, there's not enough there to win it. And I, I get the point. But also, we've come second twice with a higher points total than they ever got when they won the league, including when the league was a 42-game season. So all they needed was four games to get more points there. Still couldn't. So who you take on is it is worth like mentioning. That that depresses me as an Arsenal fan um, because well, there's some bad Arsenal fans out there. There's some bad Liverpool fans out there. May A lot of people may have me in that bad Arsenal fan category, to be fair. Although, when I look back... I don't remember cooking you when we beat you at the Emirates. I don't remember cooking Harp when we beat them at Stamford Bridge. AJ, special example. <laughs> I think, and I'll say this from uh, the inside looking out, I feel like could have been more unbearable, but largely I'm fearful of that going back <laughs> to bite me. It's just entirely just um, fear of, of what's going back. The, the thing I was going to say is, when I hear people say, so that Liverpool era of dominance, all they won was a Champions League and a Premier League. I can't, I can't get my head around it. The the way I remember some Arsenal teams that won nothing, I can't imagine the love I would have for a team that delivered me a Champions League. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. comprehend it. And so when you hear that now, you can say this is what Man City have done to football I'm not sure their fans will be too offended there for for football to even be broken down like that I can't fathom that ever being a thing that I could get on board with it's it's a depressing way of looking at it because on that basis no one's ever really going to do that you're going to have a very a couple of teams it's that just are be, set be United happy. fans basically yeah and, and again if they went toe to toe with this City team it, they wouldn't want it if you want to check the record books every time Fergie's United team has taken on an elite team. They lost in terms of in terms of yeah. a head-to-head league race. When Jose's Chelsea were cooking, United didn't eat. When Arsene Wenger's Arsenal were cooking, United didn't eat. They, they were absolutely brilliant at. If you're not at it, we're going to be the ones left standing. I mean that, and that is a skill. The longevity of that is probably something we'll never see again. But the whole sort of what we were and what they are now is just such a. It's such a loaded argument in terms in terms of how they pl- uh, play it every time. Yeah, some of the punditry yesterday, I thought um, they're almost little broing us a bit with, with some with some of the chat, um, particularly from also, Keane. And by the way, with the, with the Liverpool thing, that cop's still there, so that we still like we still have time on the clock. If he was leaving, and you were saying, "How will this be, re- be remembered?" That's one thing, but we're still going. It's not so. There's some of it, and there there is a thing out there that. I don't think we've seen a manager reach the top of the mountain twice, at least not in the point where you've fallen off the top of the mountain and then had to climb back up. So Wenger fell off the top of the mountain and then we celebrated an FA Cup. And I can can say in people, those several FA Cup wins are some of the best days of my life. Mm. And that's an FA Cup. And so I said, last week dream out about winning the league to slap myself don't do that <laughs> this city team is uh yeah they they just aren't going away if i was to look at it and say if they lose just one match and that's a bold thing to think about the most points they can get is 91 
which would give us we can lose another and draw another and still end up with 92 points. That's nice. So we're asking for a lot there. I actually don't think if they do lose a game, it's going to be to a Chelsea or a Brighton or a Brentford. You don't. I think it's going to be to when you lost to Watford and I didn't even watch the first half of that game because it just seemed it's a 5-3 on a Saturday why am I going to put myself through that I think it'll be something like that but mm. even with the way like, they don't really do that <laughs> no. that's not what they do no, like, we have that in the locker even I know we were special that year but like I'm looking at uh, I really do think Brighton and Brentford are the last two I do think there's something in those games I don't know what Brentford will be playing for at that stage now, it, they're very tricky where I would say on the whole, they will always give you a game, but there's one where they don't. The one that they did against United in the week where you were like, why did they did they even turn up here? You basically just got to hope they get that one out of the way and then they do something against City. Yeah, looking at it is tough because I guess the best way to look at it, and I think I like to tweet about this in the week, that um, when we play Southampton, I'm looking at it and going, look, they're a team battling relegation. They're doing this. They, they've got some good finishes in there. They defend everyone behind the ball. And then you look and they've got City on the calendar and you're going, well, City are obviously going to batter them. They're battling relegation. They're at that end of the table and you can yeah. twist it differently. A lot of it is any given Sunday. A lot of it is um, time you're playing them. So Brentford on the last day could be different to Brentford... Um, uh, a Monday around Christmas time, as you're aware of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we played Brentford at two o'clock on a Sunday. I do also think a lot's being made of City's fixture congestion. I actually think it it suits you if they stay... Uh, no, sorry. I actually think it's good for them if they stay in the Champions League. Because I think if they think they're going for a treble or whatever, that's scary season. I think they could get down high. If they get knocked out by a Bayern or, or Real Madrid... I think they again have that thing of well, how good are we? Because we can't win the Champions League. I think that could play into some of the games in the league. Whereas I think if they're so looking think- at an FA Cup final, a Champions League final, I, I think they could do the clean sweep. So you think we should root for them to go out? I think you should be, uh, yeah, I think you should be hoping they go out. Because I think as much as people are going to say, oh, well, it frees up their midweek, you don't worry about them with the squad and rotating. No. I do think mentally there is something about that. If they get dumped out of Champions League by one of these, especially a quote-unquote sort of legacy team, if you like, like a Bayern or a Real Madrid, that chip on their shoulder about are we really the elite is is another thing. Yeah, because Mika... And by would... the way, presumably, but their, their thing about great teams, quote-unquote, do we have to then go, if you don't win the Champions League, you're not great? Because how ridiculous would that feel compared to yeah. some of Wenger's teams, Pep's teams? Well, that is the thing that's held against Wenger. Yeah, yeah. So it um, feels a ridiculous argument when you look at it that way. Mika was talking about it yesterday and he was like, well, I can tell you from the inside that City, all they care about is the league and then the Champions League is like a bonus. I feel like that's what I would tell myself if I was a team that was going for the Champions League and couldn't secure it. I think that was once true about City, but I think it's become a hoodoo. Only because if, if you look at even... That early Champions League games, people were commenting even more than usual about the uh, the tendencies at the Etihad, and they're saying they aren't really filling this out. What's going on? I remember someone like Noel Gallagher said that, "Well, we have no history in this competition, so we don't we don't really have a sort of feel about it. We don't really care." And so, if we're beating Man United in the league, that's a different, that's much bigger than the Champions League. I think the club's now in a slightly different spot where they probably are looking at the Champions League more and more. So, I'm not saying that what Mika says is wrong. I just think potentially when he was there. 
it's probably a very different feel. Yeah. By the way, the fact that he's an Arsenal fan, but also Man City ambassador is such a... They, they stuck that on him yesterday. They really they? did, because didn't they? I, I didn't know that he was an Arsenal fan until Sturridge stuck it on him Duck a couple yeah. of weeks back. Well, well, what was Mika trying? Because he tried to stick it on Sturridge, and Sturridge I mean. just sent it straight back his yeah. way, and Mika looked shook. Because that, that's what I mean. So when... I want more Sturridge on punditry, by the way. Yeah, really he, like him. He, was, he was really good. The worry I have... A like lot it, of them are really he could get carried away. What, a lot of them are <laughs> really good, good when they start. Yeah. And then they drift into the Neville thing of people don't want to hear me for my knowledge, they want to hear me for my personality. Yeah, yeah. Um Sturge would definitely fall in. I think Henri is away. probably the best at maintaining that. Like Henri still lot like, the breakdown Henri was doing about uh Haaland and making other players better was really good. Sturridge the one of him even saying him little things like so he'd say he would count as he was going through on goal to compose talk to himself, himself, talk to whatever, himself yeah. things like that. And then he can do all that and then the main topic of conversation can be, but you see them Prada gloves he was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's probably the the fine margin between what Mika Richards offers and what Sturridge was doing, what someone like Gary Neville does. Because there are times where it can be Southampton Everton on a Monday or on a, a Saturday night football and I can listen to Jamie Redknapp and Mika Richards and I can go what are you really telling me here yeah what have I actually learned yeah. them and that's where you want someone like Sturridge in there to say this guy coming in or he can say look Shea Adams playing alongside this uh, South American guy coming in and this is how we connect and this is what this he even said with Suarez didn't he, he was like sometimes it doesn't work sometimes we just clicked and it was immediately yeah. easy as that yeah yeah yeah, he's he's very good. Yeah, if he can get it right, he's a nice sort of like mid-ground between like a Mika and a Kara, isn't he? I, Where Kara's probably all analysis. Well, he's got personality as well, hasn't he? Yeah. But all all homework, all analysis, and Mika's just turned up and having a bit of a laugh. Uh, I'm sure he does more than that, but... I, I did not... How it comes across. I did not see it coming from uh, Sturridge either, because when his whole thing is... The nicknames, then breakdowns, and the Euros, Killy Killy. <laughs> yeah, his videos are really odd. Still, like they're, they're good. I enjoy. I enjoy they them. are. They are funny, but like there's a, I don't know, a level of enthusiasm that is off the charts. I admire that he still did one for the uh, second leg against Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had me half believing. No, he didn't. Let me see. No, I, I like that with. Um, I like that with Liverpool that. Should legend's a strong word, so I, I don't think Sturridge is a Liverpool legend. Not quite. Should objectively speaking, Sturridge be as loved by your fans as he is? I'm not sure, but I like that when a player because I wouldn't even put Sturridge in the cult section. I wouldn't no, say no. he's a cult hero, but it does show that if you are just a decent bloke, you abide by. The kind of few rules that we can put in place because we won't ever have to make that decision. Like, I feel Michael Owen justified why he went to Man United quite fairly. Hmm. I think if you asked whoever your favourite Liverpool legend is, if you say to him, do you want to go to United or do you want to go to Hull? I don't think you want to know what that Liverpool legend's answer is. But you can see the difference in if you just because Sturridge I feel appreciates what he has from the Liverpool fans yeah yeah definitely and then you look at someone like 
So there's the thing with KD now, isn't there, where people say, great player, not one set of fans he's ever played for loves him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then you can see someone like Sturridge. I mean, you can get it to a much lesser level. I saw Yaya Sonogo get a big cheer from the Emirates <laughs> the other week. And it's just like, there's a couple of rules you don't do. Because like, even Sturridge is a tough one because did he win a trophy at Liverpool? Did he win, was he, did he win the League Cup there? He would have still been around, yeah. wouldn't he? Yeah. Because I was going to say someone like Parler, who is, it's underappreciated how good he was now, but mm. he also was an invincible. He was this, he was that. Can't really think of an example. It's really how Van Persie should be with us. Yeah, yeah. There's a few players in that spell where you were a really good, fun team to watch, but weren't winning things. But you'd have had players in there that yeah, fans like yeah. It was unfortunate for you. A few of them did leave in acrimonious circumstances. Yeah, people have come round to Sesk a bit more. It's I actually, I actually do think it's. I know we're segueing here, but I actually think Arsenal fans are a bit too forgiven in the long run. I actually think so. Well, it, like you were right to be pissed at a lot yeah. of these players, and I think now you've kind of had a bit of. Maybe we went too far, for it. and maybe in some cases you did, but there was a fair reason to be pissed at most the, of these players that left. The the Van Persie one, I would say, for a couple of months, I flipped and I was like, okay. I can see why you did what you did. That's changed like very, very quickly. He played himself out of it, didn't he? Yeah. The way he talks in uh, Punisher stuff is like he played United his whole career. Yeah, and I, and it's simple because I do understand why he left. I think we. I actually think he's one of the most obvious moves. I actually felt yeah. for some of the other players that left, I don't quite get it. I think all oh, it's for money. I the, think his you had more money and you were going to win a league. The Fabregas, no-brainer. The Fabregas Chelsea one. The more that comes out about that. I don't. I didn't want you playing for Chelsea, but also you tried to engineer a move back to Arsenal, and Arsene Wenger said, "No, I've got a couple of these players here that you're not going to get a game." And it's like, yeah, this is yeah, the, really the the end of uh, Wenger. There, a couple of last things on this. So, Liverpool's four point four three xG created in the two two draw was their highest tally in the Premier League this season. They beaten Bournemouth nine nil and Man United seven <laughs> nil and they've accrued less in uh, both of those fixtures. That's wild. I mean, we we can break this one down fairly simply. I think a penalty it's, equates yeah, for like, it's a 0.83 or something right. like that. Yeah. I mean, Canate is one of the line. has got to be like 0.99. Yeah, you're going to say you've got two deaths there. Um, so it's easy to, to rack it up that The way. Darwin one's going to be a really good... That's why it's fairly it. easy to come out of this not doom and gloom too much I think also because of the let's face it the weighting of a game is different isn't it if this happens all late on it feels like we should have won but then when you look at how badly you did cook us in that first half hour it could have been out of sight I know Jesus missed a reasonable chance I don't think it was easy I actually thought that was offside anyway the the back stick one yeah was it offside or would you think it would have been given I thought thought Saka was offside when he received the ball to cross it okay I I didn't think that that was, but regardless, you had you had some other good chances where it's sort of like oh the, the I, Martinelli one that squirms out and Saka's then run past the ball. Yeah, was. yeah, yeah. So it's there was so many like really good opportunities in that game. It's just because we had so many late on. Of course, yeah. I came away thinking we should have made yeah. that. I thought I kind of understand why Klopp was like that. I thought he kind of made out that you know they were good for a bit of it and then. I can't believe we didn't win this game. I'm really angry we didn't win this game. I think that's probably a, a good way for him to be, though, because yeah. I think 
it'd be very easy for these players to kind of think, well, again, as we've done a few games this season, right, we're back, we're on it. We've just given Arsenal the run around for the last 10 minutes. They're the best team. We're back. Whereas I think he was probably going, well, hang on, you should have put these to the sword then. Do you know what I'd forgotten? Um, when you were 4-1 up against them and they made it 4-3 in like stoppage time at Anfield on a Sunday. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ridiculous uh, team, just... Yeah, last couple of bits to get through here. Frank has come in at Chelsea. Um, now, you called it. They've Didn't still, tweet it though. No, they've still got Newcastle, Arsenal, Spurs, City, Brentford and Brighton to play. <laughs> this could get spooky. <laughs> yeah, that's six of their remaining eight games. Oh my God, that's... I hadn't realised the run was quite that bad. Relegation could be on. Newcastle, on, Frank. Newcastle won at Brentford, only the second team to do so this season. Um, not sure on some of the penalty appeals that because the ball's gone again, that it doesn't count. Tony missing a penalty as well. Yeah. Nick Pope scared him. That Brighton officiating. Horrible. We just, as I said to you on Saturday, Chris Sutton on BT Sports Score was like, look, now I'm not saying <laughs> there's crooked refereeing going on here, but... Look, I thought... Well, the one angle for the second one where it comes off McAllister's hand, the one angle then should looks like his hip. Yeah. So at first I was thinking, I don't think there's much controversy. It comes off his hand, goes in. Then we see the one that says hip, so oh, I should have looked at that closer. The first Mitoma one is nuts. The only thing I would say with that, at least he's using that part of his body to control yeah. it. But if the thing is, the rule is at the top of the sleeve, it's not yeah. humble, then... But the penalty... It's just so egregious how they don't give the Hoybert the Hoybert penalties. I mean, the Longley one's not fantastic. It's quite a clear pull, but the Hoybert one is a bad missed penalty as I've ever seen. And so they were they were screaming about it. I don't I don't usually watch the BT Sports Score. Mm. I usually try and find the game now and just see if I can pick the best one. Mm. Um, and they were screaming <laughs> and saying that's a penalty. And then you heard the that's got to be a penalty. And then, obviously, they're going to have a look at it. Okay, they're having a look at it. Oh, my God, they've not given the penalty. I just, I just don't understand what rationale and you're Sutton, looking at that. Sutton was the best man to have on that game because when he isn't having to generate a reaction, you can see very clearly when he's doing that. And when he's not doing the whole him and Savage thing, they can be a bit rough sometimes. <laughs> Savage kept trying to like... They'd be having a normal conversation. He'd be trying to like bait Sutton into something. It is odd. Um, Quite funny, but odd. But he he was really good because he was just watching it like a proper neutral fan mm. where he was saying, look, great goal by Sun. Brighton have come back into this. They're going for top four. And he was saying things like, so I'll tell you now, Howard Webb's going to apologise for this tomorrow. And what are you going to give them two points as well? Are you going to replay the game? Yeah. What yeah, yeah. What good does that do? If at the end of the season, if they finish three points off top four, are they going to say, oh, well, we had two, two uh, apologies from Howard Webb? Because the Stupin and Humble, the Stupin and Offside, don't forget, they had earlier in the season, the same weekend they forgot to draw the lines for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just nuts. And- I thought there's even arguably a foul in the build-up to the Sun goal. I think it's well, but it's carrying the ball away. I think it looked like he potentially might have got fouled. And me with my uh, tin hat on. It feels like Spurs get away with a lot of these. <laughs> You're probably monitoring the situation slightly more closely than I am. Um, 
But that was, I mean, if you were looking to make an argument for your argument against Spurs, then this would be but a, there's just some, a tough one to argue against. The, there's some players game. that everyone else acknowledges are dirty bastards, and yet the wider collective... How does Hoiberg not have that reputation that is odd. as being yeah. a guy? How is Longley not getting cooked as one of the worst defenders in the league? He's ropey. Romero... I was surprised at how much stick Harry Kane actually got Monday. I was loving it, but I was surprised. It usually feels fairly clear cut that he has to do what he's got to do. You raised your arms. Moot point. Romero going down for his toe being trod on. And you're telling me this is some big, bad Argentinian central defender. The Spurs fans might say, oh, I, I love him. He's brilliant. It's, just, it's the same people. I showed you that clip on Saturday night that United fans were posting of Lissandro Martinez shoving Mope. When Mope's looking at him like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? It's like Hasbulla punching people. I saw <laughs> Mark Wahlberg asking him to punch him for a video and Hasbulla refusing. I quite like you. That's basically what's going on. <laughs> Maybe the most mental thing of the entire weekend why did Everton play a high line at Old Trafford? <laughs> what the hell was going on there? <laughs> oh, I mean, it was such a weird thing watching, like, you know, just pumping balls over the top. Like, Bruno was just picking up deep going, you know what, I'll fucking yeah. keep putting this over the top. Yeah, so bizarre. Sean Dyche team going away from home and going, you know what, I see you, Marcus Rashford. We're going to set up, we're going to go high. But there was there was a thing. Thank God for it. I mean, as much of a horror show as you'll <laughs> see. <sighs> There Poor was, guy. There was a thing in playing for a shit Sunday league team where I used to see people come into the team and want to play on the wing or up front. And I used to think, why? You're not going to see any of the ball. <laughs> You're not going to touch the ball. And when you do, it's going to be for Get the back four. As a defender, it was like, I'm at least going to be doing something I'll in this active. game. Centre back, I'm shouldering less responsibility because I'm playing right back or left back. Mm-hmm. I'm at least going to be able to make some fun slide tackles and do a bit of something. <laughs> it's like the Everton defence were like, we ain't going to win this game, so we'll at least have fun. Yeah, yeah. Because Godfrey seemed to just be giving them opportunities to then try and make a last ditch tackle to like boost his own stock. <laughs> All we're looking at is, you're a horrible defender, yeah. and I've still not forgotten you standing on Tommy Asu's face. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. How much Made stock, Anthony look a player. How much stock are you putting in that Muck Sauce clinic? Because he may be the next guy and I don't like the guy that, that I have to invest in because it hasn't worked for Aaron Connolly. <laughs> Curtis Jones waited for me to sell my stocks. Yeah. Shea Adams, you know, I'm waiting at some point I'm gonna get a return on my investment. Alcaraz, I've invested some stocks there. I think that's probably that's my best nice, goer. Nice investment. McSauce, this might be the time. This might be the time to invest. He's an NFT. Don't do it. Don't do it. I just, It'll look good for a little bit. I just can't see this guy not joining that Newcastle midfield and cooking. For £50 million pound they're talking about. Okay. All right. This might be like the age thing where <laughs> if I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, 26 years old. So I think United can put on that front and United always do this where they spend money and then they say, we still want to buy a few more players, but we actually don't have to sell a few players. And then, if Newcastle is sensible, they'll do what we did with Erdegaard and say, you tell us when you want to sell him, and then we'll just pay what you want to pay. 
United can say they want 50 million for him. I've seen they're going in for Frimpong at Bayer Leverkusen. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this man defend. He His heat map, he his average position is in the opposition half. He's got like 17 goal involvements in the Bundesliga, so <laughs> he's doing the right thing. But sometimes if something looks too good to be true, it probably is. Mm. Um, Kalatanak on a free oh, was one of those yeah, things. <laughs> yeah. It... It's it's just nuts, but but Tom, I thought he looked I thought he looked quite good. Um, Bruno, maybe they're onto something with him playing a bit deeper. Admittedly, against a passive Brentford side and an Everton side, maybe yeah, not the best example. I think if you're letting him pick up the ball like he was there and have the time that he had, it's then he's yeah. gonna he's gonna cook that. And then um, did you see Gordon shoving uh, Eddie Howe off him? No, get subbed, that. and uh, Howe's trying to do the you know. You had a good game, yeah. good lad, but bringing someone else off you now. And he shoves him off. Blimey. Shoves him off, sits on the bench, starts chucking his arms about. That should help you already question your reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there we go. I'm, sure. I'm, not, I'm not worried about McSauce. He's, he'll throw in a few more shitters before now the end of the season. Uh, if they it. carry on playing him, I'm happy. Put it that way. Yeah, he can do it for United. I, I think... Um, and I just think if, if Newcastle are going to invest in trying to go to another level... I find that's it fair. weird um, that McTominay is the, the sort of yeah, point. I guess buying from the Premier League is a, is usually a benefit more than a hindrance in that even yeah, the bad yeah. Premier League players you've got at least have some level of experience in what they're doing. I think there might be something in that. I also think if you put in what I believe Eddie Howe wants from a player into a computer... I do think it would spit out Scott McTominay, but I also think it would spit out Anthony Gordon, which yeah. is the rough part. I just think they, I think they should be going all in on Madison. I just there's something naughty about Madison ahead of a Joe Linton and, and Bruno. It's just a naughty, but a I little think, bit open potentially. But I think I, what I, I they're like trying it. to do is get Bruno further up the field. Yeah, yeah. In which case, you couldn't you couldn't really do what I just said. But um, Madison, something um, about that. I just be. I was going to ask you about Zinchenko actually, but. Is Zinchenko crying on the bench going to be the new Suarez crying, or are we uh... Kevin Keegan with his head in his yeah. hands? Yeah, I, know, I, I don't think he should have done it optics wise. Probably shouldn't, but I, only because I thought he's only just distorted his own. He, he being, did it in Meg, right? Thought he's obviously an emotional guy, but the it was more he's probably a leader in that group. I probably don't send out the message to the rest of the players that this is a disaster, which yeah. I don't think is what he meant. No, but he it's did how it, it can be perceived. He did it when uh, Benzema scored against Madrid in the Champions League last year as well. I think he is just an emotional guy, to be fair. Mm. I saw... Benzema's done that to me a few times. Don't yeah. I? I saw immediately a tweet saying um, Zinchenko's ex-cry must be at a high level after that and then <laughs> like, immediately after. I've got to tell you, Things are going to get a little rough for you if you do if you drop points in these few games. So if you if you're not happy now, yeah, I guess then it's going to be a tough place. I guess if I was to rationalise it, I'd rather you care than not. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, he seems he seems the type of guy that bounces back yeah, fairly yeah, swiftly. Yeah. So I think it is probably. I always speak on here about those kids at school that would get so angry they would cry. Yeah, uh, they made me laugh at the time. And so Sinchenko, you'll be swell. Didn't see it at the time, um, so I saw it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted to spin it in a more positive way, you'll just go, "Well, he's just got these really high standards, and that's part of what makes him so good." So. Did you perceive that? Did you see that Madison press conference, uh, Madison interview? 
mm. is bad, if not. Why? What's he said? He's, he's, basi- he, what? he's basically being asked, you know, bad result, bad couple of weeks. How do you get things? And he's kind of like, I mean, I think I've said some of these things before. Like, head down, like, oh, looks God. teary-eyed. And he's like, well, how do you move on from here? He's like, going to training on Monday, same way we've always uh, had to do. And we, we he's supposed to be one of your more, more upbeat characters. He's captain. Yeah, yeah. He said, well, oh. we, he's like, we just do our best. And that's Dean Smith. Obviously going to be Dean Smith will pick him up. <laughs> Second only maybe to Trent when Jess Reeves unfairly stuck it on him about goals coming up his side in, in the game. But Trent's response being, well, he's got to come down one yeah, side. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. He's like, that's how football works. I was like, yeah, Trent, just try and make sure it's not well, yours. He said, he's like, they have to go all the middle, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on the office sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, Trent, I've defended the guy on here several times. I, I do think also there is an issue with his understanding of just, I don't know. We need one of those all or nothings where we see the breakdown of and the understanding of in this position, you need to be looking out for where this guy is going to be. This guy has a tendency to go to the back stick, this guy. And it's why I think for it was unforgivable that Firmino gets the free header he does because that's like, that's his finish, basically. Yeah. It's a nice header as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, it is. Um, and so someone needs to be saying our most popular goal is shifting it from one stick to the other. Yeah. And so for for Trent not to know that's happening, that tells me he's not being coached correctly or the conversation mid game yesterday of, well, we'll just coach him to be a midfielder then like that's a completely easy. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly outrageous. I think we did it back at the time because the conversation wasn't even Liverpool was it? It was, well, he'll just be a midfielder for England where we don't have many of them. (laughs) As you, do. you have to think there's enough coaches there that if this made sense, then it would do it. And it was part of our Zinchenko conversation, wasn't it? Is that you're probably not good enough to do this for this level of team. And that's why you're doing it as like a, an extended part of your game. It will be interesting though, because he is getting worse, I think, defensively. So and I'm becoming less interested. People say that he would play as a six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and again you're going to have to have a lot of responsibility in there. So it, it would be interesting whether even just a, maybe a move might re-energise him is maybe is the only thinking. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Carragher summed up what he said. It's not that he's even got to be good defensively, just don't no. be a total well, liability. That's, that's, and that's For the most part, that's what Zinchenko yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. Zinchenko, I thought a lot of the times, dealt with Salah quite well. In terms of, uh, he seems to have been told don't let him get it at his feet. So he was ultra aggressive in winning the ball in the air when he had the opportunity to not let Salah get it down and run at him. Yep. I think the time Salah was actually able to isolate him was very few and far between. And then when he did, big Gabriel came across and was like, now get a pass of both of us. Yeah. Unfortunately, Trent, maybe we said, <laughs> we don't respect you quite enough or I think we were all a bit chaotic by then. Agreed. Uh, UFC 287 to close this one out if I just uh, load the card up here I'm not sure how much we'll go through we'll start with the main event obviously Mm. Um, better fight than I expected it to be for all of the two rounds that we had Um, largely because I thought if Alessandro was going to win he was going to have to be a bit negative yeah and we've seen that from him before and we always say 
to be fair now, when he's had a willing dance partner, his fights have been... That's it. His he's, best performance was when Whitaker just basically said, I'm sticking it on you. Yeah. <laughs> and then and the second the time around, it didn't work when Whitaker said, I'm going to point fight you and we're going to see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Early, the leg kick was connecting early for, for hey, yeah. Um, he just looked a very angry man. <laughs> it was, yeah. And look, from his point of view, he when he went back to the corner, he said that everything we've worked for is, is coming. And he thought the game plan did seem to be working. He was having a visible effect on on Izzy with those leg kicks. For all Izzy says about playing possum, I mean, there was some. Yeah. I mean. There's no doubt about it. He's obviously kept his shape and is still lucid. So it's not like he's hurt and just banged with someone. He obviously has fought it all through. But also, you're not faking the fact that those leg kicks really do hurt. Um, no. And even he gets caught with a hook at the time when he backs up. Yeah. And then and a couple of nice digs to the body that he'd had just before that. He obviously goes in with a knee in there. And you can see why Pereira did think, right, I'm getting him. But uh, well, also, take him out. maybe if he's not beat him three times before... He's not as confident to charge forward like that. When you think when he had him hurt in the fifth round last time, obviously he was far more hurt. Yeah. He was connecting with everything, but he was also, his hands were dropped. He was just unloading, he knew just he picking, had picking his shots. Him backing up, Izzy, I think so much of his game plan earlier in the fight was, I'm going to be moving forwards. Mm-hmm. That maybe just him, because look, we were far, we were f- far further removed. We thought he was done at the time when he backed up, it was like, here we go. It looked like he was going to be right, put on the final yeah. on a stretch, didn't it? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess one of my questions going in, I did wonder, if you have been someone three times, you must get complacent because you must go, well, this guy's got nothing for me. But then I heard him talking and it, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, as a fight, they're made in heaven for each other. They're just perfect. You could watch, how many times could you watch that fight yeah. and never be sick of it? Because you'd, you'd never be sure of the outcome. They're always interesting. But as personalities they are as well, even though they don't speak the same language, because they, they'll obviously trash each other a little bit, but they do underneath it kind of show you the respect for each other's skills. And the way um, Pereira talked about Alessandro a couple of times in the movie, I was like, oh, okay, actually this guy does respect what's coming back to him. But for that period of time, it's only a few seconds he didn't, and he paid the price. I remember after the first win in the UFC, he went on Hawaii's show, mm-hmm. and he said, look, there was one guy that beat me when I was an amateur, and then when we were kickboxed again, the guy beat me. And like, like, sometimes the people just... And he said he'd still beat me now, even though yeah. he's been done fighting yeah. for years or whatever. So I'm his guy. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, a very, it's a very nice shot. I think... Teddy Atlas has a tendency to just describe simple things and make it sound complex to try yes, and translate yeah. boxing to UFC in a way that is fairly like we know his hook got there first and yeah, <laughs> that, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. It doesn't need to be hmm. something that it isn't. Most of the talk has been around the celebration after the fact. Um, at the time, I think we both wanted uh, Posan to win. I can't I respect it, and I also find it annoying at the same time. <laughs> but if that was my if that was my guy, and he was doing that, you'd then... be all in. Yeah, so the, it's the, it's an iconic celebration. About the pictures or whatever are as yeah, the, good as you will see. The thing that bothers me is the same guys saying they don't like it are the same guys that watched the Last Dance and thought Michael Jordan was the best thing. Yeah, yeah, 
ever and Michael Jordan was maybe dunking on top of you. This guy has just rendered you unconscious. I think he's probably got more of a reason to celebrate over and your the, body. The nervous tension and energy that must have been built up within him, that was a release of it. You saw how basically relieved the guy was and he's right to be because that's a monster in front of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just wondered with with the exchanges, with obviously he does have a bit of a speed advantage, whether he could do it like that. And I thought at some point potentially he might catch him with the shot that he did right at the end of that first round in the first one. We caught in him the earlier in, that, in this fight as well. Yeah, and I just thought, um, as long as he doesn't get too passive, actually, thought he can probably do it. Let's face it, how many times can you cut the weight that Pereira does and take a clean shot of someone like yeah. Izzy? Because that, that can't be good, ultimately. Eventually, you've it's got to have an effect as well. Not a sentence that I was expecting to leave my mouth um, before Sunday. What did you think about him celebrating in front of his kid? <laughs> did you did you see this? Yeah. yeah. And the, the mad thing was, is he posted it and said, yeah, I'm a petty arsehole. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess the kid did it to him, so it's fair game. I mean, it's a kid, but, but it's different. Like you said, if it's... I you saw- did get knocked out and he's laughing in your face, I guess. So I think... You know, I knocked your dad out. Is a pretty good... I saw uh, a uh, photo of the kid in the crowd and he's crying. And I saw a quote to you. It was like, I didn't realise the kid was crying. That makes this so much better. (laughs) Fuck them kids. I think it was someone, I'm going to say, maybe it's Tashera or someone like way earlier. I think he knocked someone out and then brought the kids in the octagon to console them basically while their dad was being brought around. Oh God. And so they were saying that he was doing the opposite. Like he was very respectful. He didn't celebrate. He just saw the kids crying basically and yeah. brought them in. It's, it's okay. He's getting the, he's mm. getting the care. That might feel more savage to me. You consoling my kids while I'm unconscious to be fair. Yeah. 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 It's a weird one that Pereira and I don't know how aware he was of everything at that point. He must have kind of accepted it like, I got knocked out. You do what you got to do. Because for them to be pally-pally backstage and talking about training together and coming to Brazil and all of that, he either didn't know he celebrated in front of his kid Mm. or he was like, you shouldn't have celebrated in front of him. You've learned a life lesson here. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I mean, he probably does think it's fair game. I mean, if you're, let's face it, You'd probably say if you were someone's dad, you'd go, I've just knocked this guy out. You shouldn't be celebrating that I've knocked him out and, and taken the piss. But the fact that he didn't tell his kid that probably tells him, this guy don't really give a fuck about this. He's probably going, well, yeah, you carry on. In There was a, there was a slight part of me in the moment when he did it. I thought like he'd passed out. Like all of the, um, everything that just got to him, he just had a rush. There was such a, yeah, such a weird vibe about the players, wasn't there? And then immediately I saw someone on Twitter like, oh my God, he ran it back. And I, I actually quite like things like that where we did it when we did uh, the Cloverfield podcast and a lot of the marketing and things they did, they would just drop it on a random YouTube channel. They drop things in the film and they just rely on someone out there is going to get this reference. Yeah, yeah. And you just have faith in your audience. And Adesanya basically had faith in his audience that someone out there is going to know that he did this. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it is pretty incredible that as well as everything else in his mind going into this, he probably did have that on his mind. It's pretty incredible that that's all all in there. Yeah, look, if I think, I don't know about you, I'm, I quite like Adesanya as a whole. Yeah. I think some of his stuff's a bit cringe, but I also think he's fun to watch when he's on it. When he's got the right dance partner, he's great. And he's nearly cool. 
some of the stuff is nearly cool yeah. and then it just goes a bit yeah. far. But it just happened to be that Pereira is also very fun to watch. And I thought it would be interesting if he could get the win. I thought, probably humble Izzy a little bit, if he, if he can win again. But the if I'd been all in on an Izzy win on this, as I would be, say, if he was taking on Chumayev or whatever, then all of this stuff would be some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Well, the, the bow and arrow celebration. The, I love shit like that. Yeah. The stuff like that is absolutely on the money. And like I said, if if, if him and, say, Chumayev get a rivalry going and he did that to him... I'd be loving it. Well, one of my worst picks in hindsight was uh, I picked Paolo Costa to beat Izzy. Yeah, that's rough. And to be fair, Izzy's performances at that time and Paolo Costa's just destroyer. Mm. This was coming off the back of him doing what he did to Yo Romero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of what he'd done beforehand, I did kind of enjoy what he was doing to Costa after the fight. Yeah, agreed. Even, I mean, he carried his joke on a bit too much when he was talking about his kid and having that down the line as <laughs> he just assaulted him in, in the cage. But for the most part, you talk shit I like when you get it rubbed in your face. Yep. Um, in the same way that I, I didn't like it so much when he was being like it with Whitaker, where because Whitaker had pretty much avoided saying anything negative about him because he was like, we're Australia, New Zealand, we're going to get in there and the best man's going to win. Yeah, it, it felt quite forced, Madison, didn't it? Even when he was like, Bobby Knuckles, my old nemesis. Yeah. I was like, You're not really a nemesis, are you? Because you don't have a natural rivalry personality-wise and you've now beaten him like, yeah. first time pretty emphatically and then the second time, you know, a pretty boring one. Um, what did you think of him immediately shutting down the rematch talk? Because I feel you let... You must know beforehand, unless you thought Dana was going to have other ideas, I think you let Dana shut that down. Agreed. And then you say, it's like when someone skirts by and it's the dangerous question you ask in boxing when they go, would you take, would you accept a rematch? And you can't ever say no because people will say, you're a coward, that you know you got a robbery, whatever. You basically say, oh, if we have to do it again, we'll do it again. And the safety promoter, I ain't doing that again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I I absolutely agree because I thought it was too they, soon. It was too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you you've lost previously and then lost two more other times in kickboxing, if the first time you get the win, you're seen to go right. I say I've got my win. I'm out of here. It just doesn't. It doesn't look good. It's no, even it's if the argument way. is that those were in a different sport, then you're one one in the UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which case, you'd absolutely say a trilogy makes sense. Because I, then I agree that, say, Izzy thinks that, okay, I'll win again. And then he's going to say, oh, it's 3-2. I don't think we'd have done that. Um, I think even f- no one's asking for Volkanovski, Holloway, four. No, no, no. Because the score's been settled there. Um, but I said, this is so entertaining when they get together. It's so high level. And they they are just, yeah, this is a match made in heaven. I mean, I know Izzy called it like the best MMA storyline ever. He's got an argument. I don't know if it is, but it's it's up there for how the, how long this has been going on or whatever. You could watch. I don't know how many times I could watch that fight and be sick of it. I might get my answer if we got a trilogy. I might go, okay, yeah. I've seen it now. But uh, yeah, like you said, I think it's probably obvious as well that Dana would probably have gone because he doesn't tend to like run it about that many times if he doesn't have to. So I think he would have gone. No, Pereira up to two hundred five, and is he fighting someone else? Yeah, um, um, maybe Pereira says I actually can't do that again. He he wasn't desperate. For a rematch. No. And I think he 
he must be I've he's always been on borrowed time at that weight yeah he's 37 now as well yeah so he must be going I've got to get up to 205 and there's, some, there's opportunities there let's, some let's Brazilians say. seem to think that he may retire now really like he came in his thing was I'm going after is he yeah he did it um, but then it'd be maybe, a real shame if he did there may be the storyline he may watch Avenging Glover yeah going in with Jiri and that's a fun fight even if you didn't have a storyline and by the way if you do that and you get the belt I then go, Izzy, go up to two hundred five and see if you want to become a champ champ. And then you can do it and you can you go, right, we'll have a, a USC trilogy this way. We've got a different spin on it. So I think it was the only way you could have done DC and Jones again was if you went heavyweight anyway, yeah. and, and do it that way. And that was obviously a much less close rivalry, really, in reality. Yeah. Him him either of those is so good. Yeah, yeah. So I hope he doesn't retire because he's as fun as we've seen in, in the UFC. I hope his chin's still there. Yeah, I hope that doesn't... Because I don't, I don't know, but from looking at his record, I don't think he's been done like that really previously. Blame it so. on the hydration. Because Dana said that with like 20 minutes left, he was still cutting the last pound yeah. before having to weigh in. I, I can't... And Izzy, did you see he put his tweet out in USADA saying, do not let this man out of your sight. Have him under do shifts if you have to until we get in there. I bet he was. Yeah, I bet he was saying that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen what some of these guys go through to make weight. I can't imagine what he's doing. No. I cannot imagine. No, even the ones where they're like watching TV on an iPad in the bath, I'm still like... This doesn't look nice. No. And then you no. see the ones I always say to you about the Ultimate Fighter when obviously they don't have any of that. And these guys are being called like cowards because they <laughs> they, they don't want to drop their like 20 pounds in a week. Insane, isn't it? Um, it's nuts. Rest of the card, Gilbert Burns, Maz Vidal was largely quite depressing. Um, just that we, we, old, didn't, we didn't get a good fight. And no. Yeah. <laughs> Maz Vidal just looked old. Um, Did he retire? He didn't say to retire. I think he did, but uh, he gave us unless, much everything but didn't they it? suddenly want to say, "Do you want to just face Leon?" It'd just be quite cool if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, Leon, do you want a free one? Um, Rob Font, Adrian Yanez, fun one for the three minutes and three seconds. That bad one for the betters, good one for Rob Font. Fair play, it's a good win. Yeah, very, very good impressive, win. wasn't it? Um, Yanez tweeted out. I apologise to all my fans. I'm entirely disgusted with my performance. Um, yeah. I'll never let that happen again. He was like, I feel like a piece of shit. Like, just, you lost to a good guy. Like, I always think that's an incredible thing with that is like, when it shows the levels in the sport, where you think Rob Font has obviously been shown he's, where he's lo- yeah. who he loses to, where he's at, and then Yannis is coming up and people think he's going to be like that, and then you lose quite emphatically to Rob yeah. Font. Just the level reminder is interesting. Uh, Kevin Holland, Ponzinibbio, Maybe he he seemed to suggest that Masvidal's retired because he said oh, I wanted that fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you need to see Masvidal get chinned by Kevin Holland? A bit rough, isn't it? They can uh, do something with Kevin Holland though. They just need to get it right. Don't get the wrong opponents. It's always something say, really fun there at this stage of his career, and this is why he's rejected a couple of fights. Why are you trying to put like a thirty-eight-year-old Wonder Boy in there with a wrestler? Like you've got yeah. one of the best karate yeah. guys of all time, and we would say it with. Um, Gaethje wasn't the example I was going to use, but I guess Paolo Costa would be a good example. Like, just put him in there with guys that... Uh, Diaz was the one. Where Diaz, when he was booked with Chimaev, it was like, this is the least fun fight that you yeah, could ever make with that this. entire roster. Yeah, agreed. Um, I guess the next big talking point on the card was Christian Rodriguez against Raul Rojas. 
junior. Showed him, showed him up, didn't they? But put a kid in there with. It was a man as a boy, wasn't it? Yeah. Someone. I, I was a bit depressed with Rose about how I thought poor he looked. I know it wasn't just young. I thought he looked poor. So obvious what he was trying to do. And Someone there wasn't much played else back to uh, Felder and he's reporting after his UFC debut. And Felder said, oh, I'm impressed that he got the win, but he also looked like a 17-year-old and how he would fight going in there. He said, I don't want to upset anyone yet. I don't really think you should be in the UFC at this age. You should. No. And then we had it in on. the opening fight of the night with um, Jacqueline Amorim in there with Sam Hughes, who's never been out of the first round in her life. And then... She looked like she... Yeah, suddenly oh. someone puts up some resistance and you're like, I didn't think it was this hard. Yeah, look, admittedly, someone didn't know a huge amount about Sam Hughes. When people were then saying, look, she's a cardio machine, it's like, then what were you thinking putting her in against her? Um, just, I don't ever want to hear someone say again, I'll do five rounds in the gym. This isn't the gym. Like, <laughs> yeah. This isn't the gym where you can quit if you want to, where you can have a... You can have uh, some more water in between. Yeah, what does these five rounds look like? Because she was as tired as I've seen someone after not a lot going on. Why well, at round. the end of the first round when they asked to stand up and she got up very slowly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, I mean, it says a lot about the entertainment levels Michelle Watson provides that they were like, this might be the best Michelle Watson's ever looked. And she wasn't. <laughs> she just move forward a bit more they kept saying these incredible kicks while none of them were connected no. she just kept throwing the same kick over and over and over and over again uh, uh, Joe Pfeiffer slumping Gerald Mearshet was quite depressing yeah Pfeiffer looks good though he looks, obviously a big man the weight quick well, looks like good speed He's when I was reading some like previews before the fight they were saying essentially Gerald Mearshet beats a lot of these up and comers by waiting for you to make a mistake and then I'll take you to the ground or uh, he'll overwhelm you down the stretch. Joe Pfeiffer is about as, same way I described Rob Holding earlier, he, he does the fundamentals. He's a meat and drink kind of guy. He gets mm. the jab out there, pump the leg kicks in, go for a takedown if the takedown's there, get up, control the kick. Just just, just as the basics and really, that's what he did. He kept that hook, that uh, straight coming down the pipe the hook when he uh, felt he had him on the back foot, backed him up against the fence and then finished him off and referee could have done Mershet a favour. There's usually a way you curl up when you're not trying to get yeah. back in the fight. Yeah. And uh, the ref didn't, uh, didn't read it. Acknowledge that. Bahamondes, Trey Ogden was what it was. Steve Garcia against uh, Shadow Nerd and Becky. Probably, I thought, fight of the night. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Gastelum Chris Curtis got it. I thought that was the that was better, fight yeah. of the night. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that was a great comeback from Gastelum. getting point. dropped. Looked like he was in trouble. and Back and forth. Serious power. Knockout to the body is always nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of those body shots from him were as good as we saw on the card. Full stop. Yeah, it, was a good, it was a good card, is it? The, yeah, yeah, the it last was. couple have been a bit... Some of these fight night ones now, I get to the end of the night and I watch all of them and I'm like... Why did I do this? <laughs> yeah, it just feels like even at 1am to 6am that I've wasted my time and I wasn't going to be sleeping anyway. So it's like <laughs> I could have been watching something else. Just depressing for the most part. Uh, Lupita Godinez against Cynthia Calvillo. I don't know how many times you have to lose a split decision to know that maybe change up what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You only so many times you could be outraged at that in Calvillo's shoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what's next for Adesanya. He, he kind of 
insinuated he wants Drickus next. Do you know that in the comments underneath it, because they were saying, well, he wasn't going to name him for Clout, right? People were legitimately guessing and getting it wrong. Like, <laughs> How are you getting this wrong? He's literally referenced South Africa and comments that someone has made. There's no one else this could apply to. And I go, who's this then? It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, mental. Um, yeah, they, for him, obviously... There's not many of us out there. No, I mean, they would either have to really try and blow a Chimaya fight and go, look, this guy is the wrestler. He's going to do what no one's been able to do to Adesanya. Uh, or they're going to have to try and, sounds mad, fast track that Bo Nickel. And for the same Jesus. reason, do that. And really, really fast track him. Yeah. It's the only way that, I mean, and other than that, you just look at the landscape and that division and go, well, there's nothing else for him. No well, one else is either taken on or no one else that you can go, I can make a case Don't be surprised if they do Whitaker 3. Yeah, and again, no one wants to The last to fight that. wasn't fun. No, no, exactly. That brings to the end three-hour pod. And uh, we had a lot to say about uh, Liverpool United, so uh, Liverpool Arsenal. Uh, so hopefully um, enjoyable. Check out Movie Madness this week. We've got Bad Neighbours that will be out this Friday. And yeah, see you next time. Hopefully you've had a good uh, bank holiday. Adiós.